The Xbox Series S is back in the crosshairs, and this time it's not from me, Xbox pundits, podcasts, and even on Twitter, a developing discussion about dropping feature parity between the Series X and the S is developing in the wake of the insanely positive response to the success of Baldur's Gate 3. Many are calling for Microsoft and Xbox to consider not having this parity clause any longer or at least quote unquote bending the rules. No matter how much you try to play it down or dismiss it, Baldur's Gate 3 is the clear and undeniable front runner for game of the year. 2023 and having no clear release window for the game on the xbox has many calling for a change in my previous coverage of the situation i took the position that there was no good option here so i find this push to be surprising especially coming from xbox podcast and people who are very pro xbox I ultimately think that these folks do not really understand what they are asking for, what they're conceding, what they're admitting about the Xbox console platform. Now, I put all of the good information right here at the beginning of the stream so you don't have to go looking for it. It's a longer video because this is a live stream environment. So make sure you hit subscribe and the bell button so you don't miss out on my content. Should Xbox change its policy about feature parity between the Series X and the Series S? Well, some Xbox podcasts took up the discussion recently, as well as arguing on Twitter, that Microsoft should be making exceptions to this policy. Specifically, this was being discussed in the wake of the Baldur's Gate 3 explosion on the gaming world. Currently, there is no date or clear release window, for the game on the Xbox consoles and it without a doubt is the likely winner of game of the year 2023 as it's taken the world by storm. So while the timing of Baldur's Gate 3 on PS5 for PlayStation owners is great for them if they're unhappy about not being able to play Starfield, the bigger picture in many people's minds is that you're missing out on one of the biggest games of the year. And this isn't because of an exclusivity deal, this is not because of an acquisition, this wound is self-inflicted. So first, very briefly, for anyone who's not been tracking it, I will catch you up on the Baldur's Gate 3 situation. More has happened since the last time that we covered this. And I will even give you my prediction on the likely outcome here spoiler alert i don't think they drop parody the second thing i want to do is cover the recap and the response of what are people saying the speed with which so many xbox outlets and podcasts have shifted on the series x a series s it feels almost breakneck Long ago are the days where folks claim the Series S would run circles around the PS5. Now it's seen as a nuisance and an inconvenience. The last thing I want to say in this opening monologue is be careful what you wish for. I genuinely think that these people have no idea what they're asking for when they request that feature parity be dropped. This is more than a giant concession and walk back of their previous claims about the Series S. I will talk about what the bigger issue here is because this topic touches on so many things but first what has been happening with Baldur's Gate 3 well the Baldur's Gate 3 situation has been an ongoing narrative and discussion the quick recap is they cannot get split screen to work on the series s and Xbox engineers are helping Larian Studios to figure it out there is no release window in sight at this current time and throughout it all I've had to feel very bad for the folks at Larian none of this is their fault or responsibility and they They've done everything in their power to keep it professional 
and to keep it classy, while angry fans have been petulant, entitled, and ignorant about what the real issue is. Since I last covered this Baldur's Gate 3, there is a new high concurrent player base number that they hit. They actually, on their second weekend out, hit 875 concurrent players on Steam. It also reached the highest Metacritic score of the year at 97. It has dropped back down to 96. At that time, when it was at 97, there were only six other games in existence with higher scores on Metacritic. It has since dipped back down to 96, which puts it at a tie with the sort of leader for the year as well, which would be Tears of the Kingdom. PC Gamer gave it its highest score that they have handed out since 16 years ago, and it currently has a 96 percent on steam and that's just in the last 30 days with 142,000 reviews landing in that time period needless to say the game is killing it it is set to be in my mind taking game of the year 2023 handedly now before i get to the response from the xbox community and the podcasts, i want to make my own prediction about what is the most likely outcome i actually think they will just end up shipping this game to xbox without split screen it's far better to get the game in the community's hands with out the feature than to create an undeniable hierarchy in your Xbox ecosystem. We can hand wave and talk about how many old gen 120 FPS games that you have and you can even set your videos to private Xbox, but releasing a game on the Series S without a feature that is on the Series X would be an undeniable shift. So it's far better to just launch without the feature. Again, I think this is the most likely outcome is that it just launches without split screen. I could see them actually trying to do this in 2023. I really do. A great time to do this would be in December or around November when everybody's talking about the game again because of the game awards, right? The nominations. If it actually gets the Game of the Year award, that would be a great time to launch the game on your platform instead of bumping it to next year, especially if they bump into next year and they still end up having to drop split screen. Everyone will say, well, what was the point in waiting? Okay, you can obviously promise split screen later like you did with Halo Infinite and how they're doing right now with Forza Motorsport. But, you know, if they end up not doing it in the future, at the very least, I think most people would just be happy to have the game available on Xbox, right? If you're going to let Forza Motorsport say, hey, we're, we're a first-party dev, and our game is launching without split-screen, then why wouldn't you let Larian, a third-party company, do the same thing? So, here's the recap of the response. So, I'm not going to quote anybody directly, because I don't really feel like quoting these people, because I think a lot of them lack a lot of integrity and honesty and this is just another step in the stone of them being, you know, not having credibility or even foresight into the industry, okay? So I'm not directly going to quote anybody, all right? So the response to this situation has gone through many stages, and these stages will sound very familiar. They're basically the stages of grief. First, there was flat-out denial. I was told in no uncertain terms that the Series S was not the problem. I was just being a hater. Well, that quickly turned from grief, I'm sorry, from denial to anger. Anybody covering it was attacked. Larian was attacked. They were called lazy. I was told that I did nothing but hate on Xbox, and that I 
was just slandering and making things up. Folks decided to shift the blame from the Series S to the fact that Larian didn't have enough resources. The goalpost shift will break your neck if you let it. Imagine disagreeing with the sentence or diagramming a sentence that simply says, the Series S is the problem and we don't have infinite resources to solve it, and you think the problem is their resources. Well, we quickly moved from denial and anger. Well, what's next in the predictable grief stages that are available, right? You go from denial to anger. Well, what's next? Bargaining. That's right. Go look up the stages of grief. Well, here we are. Now we're bargaining. We're not denying that the Series S is the problem. We're not angry and blaming Larian. Now we're bargaining. Hey, I've got an idea. Let's just leave behind parody. Or let's just leave behind the Series S. Let's start bargaining with Xbox, okay? So the suggestion is in many places. I saw a tweet saying they should bend the rules. I saw podcasts entertaining the idea. One such podcast someone brilliantly said the series s will have to be left behind eventually really three years into the life cycle of the console imagine somebody saying that the ps5 should get left behind eventually nobody would accept that right especially when we do know the series s is essentially their main console but the bargaining is being motivated by the fact that Baldur's Gate 3 is simply too big to miss. This call to drop parody has been covered. There are outlets that have covered this. They're not calling for it, but I saw Windows Central cover the fact that people were asking for this. I saw Gaming Bible. I saw Forbes. Everyone was basically saying, look, the community and pundits and outlets are asking just drop parody on Baldur's Gate 3. And I think this goes beyond just Baldur's Gate 3 in 2023. I think there's a fear brewing that this is just the beginning, that Baldur's Gate 3 is just sort of the first symptom of a larger problem, which I think is a totally warranted fear, especially in light of Forza Motorsport devs saying that split screen will have to come later. The concern is we're three years in and feature parity means all future games will face this same problem. You're either going to have to cut features or just land on the Xbox later. This is basically handing timed exclusivity to PlayStation anytime the game is a third-party multiplat like Baldur's Gate 3. And it means more first-party studios having to delay or launch incomplete like Forza Motorsport. Now, one suggestion that continues to get thrown around that I do think needs to be addressed, many people are like, well, I've got it. I've got it. I've got the solution. Just put Baldur's Gate 3 and other games like this on the cloud. Well, we recently covered Jez Corden's own article on why Xbox can't push xCloud very strongly due to a lack of capacity. But it's not just about a lack of capacity. The reason this is not a solution for the Series S having a bottleneck or not enough power to do certain features, the real problem is if you throw it on the cloud... They're using Series X's for the server blades, but they load two profiles on each one. And so you actually play games on xCloud on a Series S profile. Now this would compound their capacity problems because let's say a Series S owner that wants to play Baldur's Gate 3 and you're like, well, have them play it on the cloud. Well, that instance would be another Series S essentially not solving the problem. You'd have to give them an entire Series X 
to themselves, which works against their own capacity problem. They don't have enough. They actually constrain Series X production to use them for cloud. So if you're trying to get a Series X and you want to know why you can't, is because they're sitting in cloud server farms so that people can cloud in and use games remotely on those boxes. Essentially, that's what's going on. I've said many times, this situation has no good outcome. Because you can't use cloud, and if you do use cloud, you're going to run out of capacity really fast. This is a pretty popular game, and anybody who owns a Series S would take up an entire Series X in the cloud instead of two people to each one. If you insist on parity, you're going to end up missing out on games like Baldur's Gate 3 when they want to launch. It's not their responsibility to deal with your bottleneck. They're trying to get their game to market and make money. They're not beholden to Microsoft, especially considering you're the smallest platform out there. You don't have a lot of leverage here to try to navigate this and make, well, oh, developers should really work hard to get their games to work on the S. No, they have their own budgets, their own deliverable timelines. They need to get these games out when they're ready instead of when they're ready for the Series S. So... If parity is insisted upon, you're going to have these situations continue to crop up. Then you run the risk of missing out on games entirely. I recently learned about something called BPL analysis, which is basically a mathematical way to calculate negligence. Companies use this to decide if the loss of not doing something is less than the burden of then doing it, right? Which is going to be more painful? Which has a higher probability of harming us or hurting us or or shrinking margins or what have you in other words devs are going to weigh out and work out the time and the potential value loss of launching a game on the series s and the x it will be weighed against simply not doing it after watching what larian is going through both publicly and economically one might conclude that you know what Not launching over there is less damaging than when we run the probability analysis of all of the problems and the revenue loss and potential feature loss that's damaging to the game's brand, it's damaging to the value of the product that we want to ship. Let's just not go over there. It's less damaging to not go there. Again, BPL analysis is used to calculate negligence, and many companies, depending on their size, their budget, and what they're building, they may conclude it'll be negligent for us to try to put our game over there. Another way to say it would be that Devs and publishers are going to basically look at Xbox as too troublesome to deal with and too costly. Because Xbox isn't just the smallest footprint, okay? They're also consistently the lowest ratio of sales. I'm not just saying they sell the least. That's understandable because they have less in saturation compared to the PlayStation. The ratio of sales to their saturation is always the lowest. So again, that's adding to that BPL analysis. If we go over there, less people are going to buy the game. That's even more of a threat to potentially hitting profit margins. So what is my conclusion here? Well, my conclusion is be careful what you wish for. First and foremost, it has to be said, with just how quickly the debate about the Series S has been conceded, what does that mean for first-party games coming to Xbox? Just how many delays or cut features are potentially on the way? And with feature parity, any cut feature for the Series S is a cut feature for the Series X. And... PC. Yeah, that's right. You PC boys, you don't get to get away from this. Any game that Microsoft launches first party lands on Xbox and PC day one. And the Series S is affecting your games too. 
I don't even think split screen is that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things, but it's a symptom of a greater problem. One that has many who strongly supported Xbox's decision to launch the Series S, well, they're now scrambling to find a solution. And you need to be very careful with what you wish for. Asking Xbox to drop feature parity would have far-reaching consequences. First, it would create a much clearer dividing line between the boxes. And, with more Series S consoles in the wild, dropping parity would cause more of your consumers to get less. And secondly, if you drop feature parity, a clear and concise case could be made that all of the Series S marketing has been repudiated. You're basically denying that that marketing was true. All the marketing that said you're going to get the same great experience on the Series S as the X just at lower resolution. Well, that's demonstrably not true anyways. They've lost way more than resolution on the Series S. But if you start giving them less features, you could make a very clear and concise case that the marketing was not true and misleading to those people who purchased it. Then, there's other questions you have to ask. If you drop feature parity, would Series S versions of games cost less money? If not, why? They're buying a lesser version of the game, are they not? Wouldn't it just make more sense to launch games without the features? And then that's not good either, right? That's just basically acting like your platform can't do what the other platforms can do. That's where my prediction is most likely, I think, going to play out. What happens if you launch the game and it doesn't have split screen? Well, that sends a loud and clear message to everyone. Developers are going to see that if they come to Xbox, they have to cut entire features from their game. Games are going to be tangible proof that the Series S is holding back the Xbox consoles. PlayStation 5 gets passive and automatic leverage in the market because of this, and not just for consumers, but for developers. And that really is the elephant in the room that feature parity is drawing attention to. The Series X might as well be a Series S. That, in essence, is Microsoft's offering this generation as a console. Because devs have no choice, they have to pay the Series S tax first, which leaves another option on the table. You could just stop making Series X consoles and just embrace the Series S as that's it. That's what we're really offering. Treat it like a, a low-tier entrance cost PC. You know, this, this is the cheapest way to get into gaming right now, short of just playing on something that you already own, like cloud through your TV or something. You would launch all of your first-party games on that along with PC. But that opens up another can of worms. What about the PC version of all the first-party games that are going to be coming to market from Microsoft? They won't be able to get features because the S can't run them. Do you really want to start launching first-party titles that have more features on PC than the console that you sold people? Xbox and Xbox fans continue to champion their games land in more places, so that makes them automatically better, right? Well, no, not necessarily. Imagine a game that's currently having to cut features, put ideas on the shelf, and cancel plans for their game because of the Series S. That means even the PC version of your game is, in essence, held back. And the last and most difficult question in the grief process of denial, anger, and bargaining, well, what about the next console? Will Microsoft even feel the need to go forward with another console? Baldur's Gate 3 didn't put a crack in the dam, but it certainly has shown a light on it. 
we could be looking at the beginning of the end of the Xbox console. Microsoft could see Activision Blizzard and King Mobile as their gateway to just purely being an ecosystem. Leveraging that would be far easier than leveraging their hardware because there's a shortage of it. They don't have enough raw materials to even make enough Series X's or enough Cloud Blades. So switching to an ecosystem or more of a publisher role might be their best leverage once they own all that Activision property. But that brings with it a whole new set of questions. At what point do you just stop supporting the Series S? Let's say that they do go for with a bigger and stronger console. Well, what's that console going to do? Is it going to have feature parity with the S? Are you going to immediately have to drop that clause altogether, therefore creating another hierarchy within your ecosystem? And if you decide not to launch another console, you're going to need to consider what the Series S is doing to your first-party games long-term, since they also land on the PC landscape. No matter how you shake it, the Series S is a shadow that reaches far into Xbox's future. And getting out from underneath of it may be more painful and take longer than many hope to see. So, to those asking for Xbox to drop feature parity, you may get your wish, just not in the way that you're expecting. So, as I said, be careful what you wish for. So let me give you my thoughts and my conclusions. It is, in my opinion, undeniable at this point that the Xbox Series S is posing a problem for Microsoft. When Xbox podcasts and pundits are calling for you to drop the parity clause, you know things have really changed. Many of those podcasts, those outlets, and those YouTubers went from singing the praises of the Series S, or at the very least, they defended its existence, to now acting like it just simply must be treated as second class. Beyond that, many don't even see the logic of their argument. They even go further, pushing for an expeditious leaving behind of the Series S. Second thing is, the real issue facing Microsoft continues to be one of identity. How can you shift to an ecosystem that relies heavily on the cloud when you lack capacity to push cloud? How can you win gamers to your ecosystem if big games have to skip or cut features just to land in your ecosystem? How can you win developers to your platform if they have to spend extra time removing quality or removing features from their game? The identity of the Xbox platform is changing and it continues to look less and less appealing to me as a consumer with each development even those championing Starfield right now my pushback would be the best experience for me is buying that game on Steam once again eroding at the identity of Xbox as a platform at least for me as a consumer my conclusion is this As pro Xbox outlets and podcasts slowly come to grips with what the Series S is doing to the platform, many of us are shouting, we told you so. The last two and a half years of ridicule and attack, for simply stating the obvious, has me feeling a a strong sense of vindication right now. I tried to tell people this for years and was continually called a hater for simply stating that the Series S was a self-made Trojan horse. And it's coming home to roost in grandstanding right now. When outlets that support you, your ecosystem and defend your box and your choices are turning on you and saying you better change this clause well the page of the book has fully turned those who attack and hurl hate at me will soon struggle to find content to watch as even Xbox podcasts are admitting defeat about the Series S. Who will you run to to tickle your ears about the Series S when even they won't do it anymore? My comments and coverage about the Series S has never been about hate. It's been about facts. 
and taking up for the consumers who I feel were misled. And if something I've learned recently, facts are perceived as hate by the insecure. So feel free to keep self-reporting on yourself. I'll keep reporting on the truth. And that's the show open. Thank you guys so much for being here. We got a full day ahead of us, but we had to start with this. I didn't want to miss covering this in the last couple of weeks, seeing the growing consensus change on feature parity. Uh, just, I'm, I'm genuinely curious where you guys land on this. What do you think is going to happen? Number one with feature parity. What do you, what do you think is going to happen with feature parity? But... What do you think is going to happen with Baldur's Gate? I mean, there's a handful of theories floating around. My personal theory is the game lands this year. They're just going to cut split screen. They're just going to say, listen, it's far better to get the game out this year and just do it without, just do it without, just do it without split screen. It's far better off. Like if I'm, if I'm owning, I I mean, I own, I own an Xbox right now, but if that's all I owned, I'd be like, bro, just give me the game without split screen. Like I want to play this game. Everybody's talking about this game. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you guys like that ending? Yeah, I, I I wrote that this morning. You know? Keep attacking me. I don't care. I, like, all I've ever done in this situation is, is speak in truth and facts. That's all I've ever done. Lord Horde, you didn't post the link, but sometimes if you put words right around a period, Nightbot thinks it's a link. Don't sweat it. You're, you're not timed out or anything. I hate seeing Baldur's Gate 3 be weaponized like this. I'm not weaponizing it. It's the center of the conversation. You have people out here, major pundits, out like guys that cover Xbox and defend Xbox are like, Microsoft, you got you to bend the rules here. We need Baldur's Gate 3, right? Th- I didn't do that. I'm not weaponizing it. That's what people out there are saying. I'm saying you can't drop parody. That's a pretty big far-reaching problem. You just got to drop the game without split screen. Yo, DK Baker kicks us off with the first gifted member of the day. Guys, you are really close to the stretch goal of 4,500 to get my wife and I to play Mortal Kombat 1 against each other. I guarantee you she'll probably play better than me. Get your coffee orders in as well. Let me turn on the coffee alert. If you guys order any Reforge Roast, they just build me for the light roast. If you're denying the facts about the Series S, you're just not being logical. I agree, King Iron Fist. FCAT says Armor Core 6 Immortals of Amium in the First Descent run 60 on Series S. And you're talking about a double A indie studio and Ubisoft plans while having Activision Blizzard games. I mean, have we seen a Digital Foundry breakdown of Immortals of Avium? Because, like, I just went into the game on my PS5 and loaded it up. There is no performance or quality options. They just optimize the game in UE5. Now, UE5 could be the Series S's saving grace with respect to, like, performance, but that has nothing to do with features. We're talking about features in a game not being able to work, like, not can't do split-screen. Well, what else can't you do? What else are developers working on right now that they're going to want to put in games that they won't be able to do because you have 8 gig of usable memory in the Series S, and the more and more PC games come out, Volume is a little variable. All right, hang on one second. Let me check something. I did notice that it looked like it was hitting a little louder than usual. Um, Let me go in here. No, 56. 56. Hello. Microphone check, 1212. No, I think it's fine. Joker Quinn gifts a member. Thank you so much. Joker Quinn. Let me make sure that I didn't turn on anything. No, I didn't turn on anything. I didn't turn on like a boost or anything. 
Name another game that has the, had the issue Larian is. Halo Infinite. Is that good enough for you? A second gifted member of the day with Joker Quinn. UE5 is heavy AF. It's not the saving grace for performance. Eugene says, I keep seeing rumblings that there may be another... I, why can't I open the image? Another layer of parody, Lono. As if it, the PS5 has the feature, it has to be on Xbox as well. If that's the case, oh boy. Wait, so you think Ragnarok gives a member and bumps the line to three? Thank you so much, Ragnarok, for doing that. Yeah, Forza Motorsport can't have split screen at launch. So, I mean, I don't understand. Who, what do you think is the blame then? Like, if you're looking at Halo Infinite and you're like, man, you guys promised series, uh, you guys promised split screen and for the longest time you were working on it, then we didn't get it. And then Forza Motorsport's like, yeah, we have to launch without split screen. And then Larian's like, we can't get split screen to work. Like, do you really think that Larian is just struggling with the Series S and what, Halo Infinite just threw in the towel? Did they get tired? They just didn't think it was worth it. They got a little... They needed some naps. Do, what, what's going on with Forza Motorsports? You think they're just not good at their job? Do you think 343, Turn 10, and Larian are all just... They don't get it. They don't know what they're doing. These are developers that have been around for a really long time. The idea that they would drop a feature from Bro Systems when the X should be able to do it is bonkers, says Derek. I think we can't... Uh, the can't have it all. Nobody can is a bad policy. Cowboy says, we got to talk. Do you really think Baldur's Gate 3 will be game of the year just because a lot of people like it? It's a PC gamer's dream. Stray being nominated got gamers messed up. I don't know why Baldur's Gate 3 wouldn't win. I don't know why, why. Why would it not win? Excellent graphics, excellent systems, amazing gameplay, critically acclaimed, commercially successful, uh, consumer, insane consumer response. Has, what box does it not check? Like, just because you might not like it because it's a CRPG, what difference does that have to do with it? There are plenty of people who don't like uh, third-person action-adventure games. Plenty of them have won. I don't understand what you mean. Like, why would you? Why would? Why would Baldur's Gate three not win? What? What about it means it's not? Why, why would it not be in contention to win? Here's the kingdom is why what, a sequel that was largely very similar to the game prior to it. Like what? Was, there's plenty of reasons that Zelda should win, but there's also reasons why Baldur's Gate three could you could argue is outpacing it in many in many respects. This man who just equate Baldur's Gate three with Stray. I'm not sure if he was equating it or just saying that when Stray got a nomination, we're now nominating games that aren't worthy or something. Why should it win just because people love playing it? Get out of here. Like, don't you understand that Game of the Year is largely based on how much people like it? You understand that that's essentially what the, what goal, what Game of the Year like represents, right? It represents that the press loved it, the community loved it, that's, it there, there's things to praise about what it did with a dead genre. Amazing gameplay, have you played it? That's subjective, cowboy. What do you mean? amazing gameplay is subjective the people that like you you don't think it's remarkable that a CRPG is hitting this level of notoriety and popularity that alone a genre that's old a genre that is not that popular anymore is having this amount of success doesn't that doesn't that speak to its quality doesn't that speak to its gameplay just because you don't like it doesn't mean that it's not good there's plenty of games out there that I think like I I think that I know you were being sarcastic, Brian. You were getting at the point that like a lot of people liking the game is a, is a perfectly good reason for it to be game of the year. 
being heralded by critics and fans, right? Like, I don't understand record-breaking scores, record-breaking numbers, record-breaking achievements in so many different w- avenues. And it, oh well, yeah, but but it, but it, but I don't like the gameplay. That doesn't make any sense. That's like the people who didn't like God of War winning, being like, "Well, it's a movie game." That's that's the same kind of like non-critical analysis. A CRPG with this, that's why it's popular on PC. That's reductionism, and you know it, F the cat. It's not popular because you can romance people and, and see and see nudity. That's not why it's winning. That would fade so fast. Wasn't everyone just saying Final Fantasy 16 would be game of the year just a month ago? What happened to that? I didn't see an overwhelming consensus that Final Fantasy 16 would be game of the year. I saw a consensus that it would likely get a nomination. But even I myself have said that I didn't think Final Fantasy 16 would be able to outpace Tears of the Kingdom. At the time, I said, yeah, Final Fantasy 16 is good. It'll likely get a nomination. It's definitely one of the frontrunners. It's in the lead of the pack. But it's it's not... I never once thought that it, it would win. I always argued what games could win, not that they will win. Right? I've said that the Lords of the Fallen could win. It could surprise everybody. I said, don't count out Final Fantasy. That could win. It could totally get up there and sneak and be like, hey man, this game did a lot of great things. But then Baldur's Gate 3 walked in and said, no, we're going to check every box. You're not going to touch us. I mean, the real discussion's meant to be about series as parody, not your subjective opinion about whether or not a game is good. Like, the game is undeniable. To try to act as if it's not in contention for Game of the Year, to try to act as if it's not the clear and far away frontrunner. Table JFK, sorry I missed that. Why did the adventure in Baldur's Gate 3 bring a ladder to the dungeon? Because they heard the loot was on the higher levels. Oh my gosh. Table JFK with 23 months and it's a VIP and a terrible joke. Thank you so much, Table JFK, for renewing your membership. Final Fantasy 16 won't get it this year. An excellent game amidst games that excelled. Yeah, if Final Fantasy 16 would have launched in a year with like almost no other games, it likely would have won, but it doesn't stand a chance now. That's just how crazy this year is. I Listen, I, I'm being objective here because I don't even like CRPGs. I can't even play it right now. I'm not going to play it on my PC. I want to play this with my wife. Like, I've not even touched the game, and I'm saying... In all the years I've covered video games, Baldur's Gate 3 is undeniable. You, you can't deny its greatness. I'm a big follower of Game of the Year, and trust me, Baldur's Gate 3 isn't the type of game that wins Game of the Year. It's not, it's not a frontrunner. I think Zelda still got it. I'm, why would I trust you? I'm trusting myself. I've done this for eight years. I've interviewed people main stage. I, like, I've been in the industry just as long, if not longer, than you. What, what do you mean, trust you? <laughs> Come on! The game of the year debate doesn't come down to trusting you. It comes down to the patterns in the industry, and the patterns in the industry are clear. This game is going to win. I don't see how you could deny it. I don't see it. There's just no way. And again, that's not today's topic. CRPG means computer RPG. It often refers to a classic RPG or an old school RPG. Basically, the old school tabletop Dungeons and Dragons dice rolling RPG in the form of a video game. That's what it is. I mean, here you go. They're they're rolling dice in the dadgum game, homie. Like it, it is a it is an RPG on your computer. And people are loving it. Look at the games that won and tell me which game was similar. I'll wait. Why do you think that's an argument? 
you think that's an argument? You think that's a compelling argument? So that because the history of winners are not CRPGs, that a CRPG can't win? If anything, you're arguing in its favor. Like, you're arguing in its favor. The fact that CRPGs have not traditionally been at this level of dominance and this game achieved it, that in and of itself is worthy of note. Like, you're inadvertently arguing in its favor. Well, the CRPGs haven't haven't won. How many giant, really successful, earth-shattering, gaming marketing, gaming news, dominating CRPGs have there been? How many? Dragon Age Origins actually did win Game of the Year, but it's not... Actually, yes, Dragon Age Origins isn't turn-based, but Dragon Age Origins would be very similar to Baldur's Gate. It's just not dice-rolling turn-based, but very similar in art style. Dragon Age Origins is one of the first games to win. It might be the first game to win when Keeley started doing the event in whatever year that was, 2014? Eugene says... Uh, you realize the people who are responsible for voting and nominating and deciding have just rated this as the best game of the year. Right, that's the thing that you're missing, cowboy. The people that decide game of the year, the ones that are going to vote and send in all their stuff to Keeley, they've all given it the highest scores. PC Gamer hasn't handed out a score this high in 16 years. It, like, you're doing the trust me bro thing. Bro, I've been looking at this industry for eight years, and when a game hits this level of fever pitch, you're not stopping it. It's happening. It's already happened. The PC Gamer gives it its highest score in 16 years. It had the highest Metacritic score for about a week, with only six games landing above it in that window of time. It's right back down tied for Tears of the Kingdom on, on Metacritic. But virtually every outlet has given this thing practically perfect scores. 10s out of 10s, 9s out of 10s, you know... Record-breaking scores from outlets. Come on, man. Dragon Age gameplay is very different. Gameplay is important. Just remember the cowboy told you so. I mean, buddy, you're in the wrong business if you think you're going to do a prediction war with me. (laughs) If you're trying to put notches on your belt doing predictions against my predictions... You're you're going up against somebody with a pretty good batting average. You better you better, you better watch yourself, cowboy. Like I I I I pick my shots and I hit them. And there ain't no way Baldur's Gate 3 doesn't win game of the year. It's going to sweep. It's going to sweep so many categories. Lonely made me follow that cowboy and I just unfollowed. I'm not sure what you mean, Vithar. Not having the parody requirement doesn't open Microsoft to lawsuits. Yeah, let's bring it back to parody. Cowboy has fully sidelined and sidetracked the entire discussion. Let's bring the discussion back. It's related, obviously. Baldur's Gate 3 being the frontrunner for Game of the Year is related to the discussion. Because of how well Baldur's Gate 3 is doing, people are essentially arguing that... Listen, you guys have got to drop parody. Now, people have said that if you drop parody, you're gonna you're gonna open yourself up to a lawsuit. I don't know if that's true or not. You'd have to really try to make it stick with the marketing. Some of their wording and phrasing was so generic. Kicking it with Timmy B. Thank you for renewing your membership. And my man JC with three months and a VIP. Baldur's Gate Three is drawing in gamers that don't normally play that style of game. Enough said. 
yeah, it's it's breaking down barriers. It's you don't hit eight hundred and seventy five thousand concurrence on Steam just because you got a little bit of nudity. Like oh, and PC gamers love it. No, it's 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 crossing barriers. It's the most pre ordered. It was the most pre ordered game on PlayStation over Madden for like a couple of days. Have you even played Dragon Age Inquisition? Uh, Dragon Age Origins. Uh, the gameplay is very similar. I thought the I thought Dragon Age Inquisition is what won. I thought it was Dragon Age Inquisition, not Origins. Yeah, Dragon Age Inquisition. It's not Dragon Age Origins. Dragon Age Inquisition won in 2014. We got our names mixed up. Dragon Age Inquisition is similar, but it's not turn-based dice roll. It isn't. But that certainly shows that a game like that can win. I mean, like, Cowboy... Imagine right now somebody was making the case that a PvP game could win. You're like, yeah, well, PvP games don't traditionally win. Well, one did. Overwatch did. Witcher 3, Zelda, Sekiro, It Takes Two, The Last of Us, God of War, Elden Ring. The winners are all over the place. Freaking It Takes Two won. Five spot. Come on, your little eight years of game coverage is nothing to mine, but I'll drop it so we can get along with the show. You know I love you. You think my eight years of coverage... Okay, hang on a second, guys. Let's go see. I mean, you got a lot of videos like hanging out with your family sure. and eating. You created your account. You'll say, you created your YouTube account three years before me. What's your What's your oldest video? 11 years ago. You weren't even covering gaming back then. You gotta, you, you're, you, you're doing, you're doing goofy videos. That's just, come on, cowboy. Come on. Take a walk. <laughs> Take a friggin' walk, bro. Uh, what is this? Dragon Age, Inquisition, Bayonetta 2, Dark Souls 2, Hearthstone, Middle Earth. Oh, those are the games nominated? Hmm. I love Dragon Age, but the game was not great in my opinion. That was a slow year. Well, yeah, I mean... We, we, we got to talk about the topic at hand. It, Baldur's Gate 3 is tangentially related. So, like, I'll allow it. But we got to stop. We got to stop. We fully wasted 30 minutes on on me taking Cowboy to the woodshed. All right? That, we don't need any more of that. The anime Zoe, uh, Zoe or the anime Zoe with 23 months. This guy's got a new name every week. This is Aizen. I know. Sorry for the name change. I bought Baldur's Gate, and I don't like turn-based or CRPG. The game looks so good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to trying it out with my wife. Okay, let's bring this back. Let's bring this back, right? I'm talking about YouTube in general. My gaming knowledge surpasses yours. <laughs> okay. Okay. Your gaming knowledge surpasses mine? Sure, dude. Where, you have a plaque for that? <laughs> okay. Treble Champ with a five spot. Is the popularity of Baldur's Gate 3 synonymous with the surge in PC gaming popularity? Do you know what the word synonymous means? Synonymous means that they're interchangeable, right? So, the words dark and bleak would be synonymous to describe, you know, the future for Xbox. (laughs) They're synonymous, right? They're interchangeable. You, the popularity of Baldur's Gate 3 is not interchangeable or synonymous with the surge in PC gaming popularity. That's not only a non-sequitur, that sentence doesn't make any sense. Synonymous? What do you mean? That doesn't... What are you talking about? 
Verity should be left behind, says Bristol Manor. The consoles are not future-proof. Give me the most out of the console, but don't hold back better systems because of limitations. Um, keyboard Warriors. Uh, we, we, Cowboy played Baldur's Gate 3 on Stadia. Come on, listen, listen. We can't keep talking about freaking what, the, why Baldur's Gate Three is popular. We're talking about the Series S and leaving behind parody. Like, like, get over it, okay? Get over it. Baldur's Gate Three is winning Game of the Year. Get out of your feelings and accept reality, so we can move on. It's winning, okay? I don't like CRPGs. I was hoping something would steal it from Zelda this year that I was playing. I'm probably not even going to play that game for very long, but it's going to win. <laughs> it's going to win. Yeah, Cowboy's just goofing. He's a goof. That's his role. Stone Spire gifts a member. Thank you so much. And he bumps the line to four. All right. Now that we've... Now, oop, not 47. Now that we've resolved the issue of it winning Game of the Year, because it's going to win Game of the Year and you're all going to cry, They there are people calling for feature parity to be dropped. Okay? They're calling for feature parity to be dropped. And we're entertaining the question, what what will happen in light of that? Will you know, will people say, "Oh, we should be able to sue in class action. We were promised to have the same experience." You know, what will consumer response be? I don't think they'd have a class action, by the way. I don't think a class action lawsuit's possible. I think the marketing's too generic. I think the marketing's too generic. Unless you can find real specific public claims that you would always get the same features, I, I, I don't think they'd have a class action on their hands. When you say the same great experience, they could say, yeah, you get the game. You're, you know, I, I think they could weasel their way out of that one. The merits of the case would probably not get to get to court, would be my opinion. I don't, I'm not a legal expert, but I don't think you'd have a case. Because marketing language is just so nonspecific at times that I think it'd be really, really hard to claim... Um, Zubair, as a lawyer, is saying, I would think they do have a class action. I would need to be compelled that the the, the language in the marketing is, is rigid enough that consumers could argue harm. They could argue harm and say, I bought this with the understanding that I could buy the same games and get the same stuff as that box over there. I'm not getting that. I'm incurring harm. Microsoft's comeback could be well, the game's cheaper. It only costs you $50, so you're saving money. I don't know. I don't. It would be a question of fact as to whether people relied on material representations about what the consoles would do. Right. Arguing harm would be difficult, I think. If there's ground for class action, there would be a counter-argument grounds. If they drop it or keep it, X isn't giving the performance advertised, and S isn't parity-matched. I think it would be about parity, if anything. I listen my prediction Xbox won't budge they will not budge on parity you're just going to get games without features right you're you're just going to get games without features they're just going to launch Baldur's Gate without split screen that's my prediction you're letting listen to the oh I when I wrote this it was like a lightning bolt I was like you're letting Forza Motorsport launch without split screen 
Now, here comes in what Eugene said a little bit ago. Is there some type of a third-party parity clause that if you give the feature to PlayStation, we have to get the feature too? Because you're letting Forza Motorsport, a first-party studio, launch a game without a feature. It's launching without split-screen at launch. Why won't you let Larian do it? I mean, I think Eugene's theory has some merit. It's like Microsoft is like, listen, you're you are as a third-party studio, you are not giving us a game without a feature that hits that platform. Absolutely not. We will not take your game. We'd rather not have it than have it with less features. We'll send devs to help. We'll send engineers to help, but no, you're not bringing something over here. Now, you could say, well, the devs don't want to compromise on that. Okay. You don't think Larian's going to hit a point? Zubair, like we talked about yesterday and in my show open, you don't think eventually Larian's going to apply BPL analysis and say it's less damaging to just launch the game without split screen? We have a build of the game that we can ship to Xbox. It's less damaging to us as Larian to just ship it without split screen. It would be negligent to just never launch it over there. (laughs) All that loss, all that development time thrown away, that would be a form of negligence and loss that they would have to argue against internally, I would think. They would say, no, it makes way more sense to just launch the game over there without split screen. Now, as far as I can remember, in the interviews, Larian seems to be indicating this is their policy. They're like, no... We, we, we want to make sure it launches with split screen over there on both consoles. And it's like, yeah, well, it's, it's Microsoft's policy as well. Now, Larian might be saying, well, we, we don't want the game to launch on console without split screen. They might be saying that. But in my mind, you are going to reach a point as the developer, as the studio, where you say, this is a lost cause. This is a lost cause. We, we, we are far better off we are far better off launching without split screen than to sit here and keep spinning our tires. They don't have shareholders. They can stay true to their vision. Okay. They don't have shareholders, Zubair, but they still have operating budgets and margins that need to be met. They still have things they want to do. Other projects, other things they need to work on. Now, obviously, the pushback would be it's probably a small team that's working with the Xbox engineers to get this working. Wouldn't wouldn't Xbox come to similar conclusions applying BPL Zubair? We're sending out Xbox engineers to help you. We're spending our own money to get this to work, and it's taking too long. It, it's it's less damaging to us to just launch it without split screen than to continue to sit here and not have the game, right? Again, we're weighing probability analysis of loss. What's gonna cause more loss? To never launch the game or to launch it without split screen? I'm saying either side could come to that conclusion. Larian just made 10 times the money they expected to make. Yo, the bright side gives a member, bumps the line to five. That's a layup for a 20 bomb. If any of the big boys takes the bait, this is a good day to do it. We got, I'm going to be playing Immortals of Avium in about an hour and a half. Then we're going to cover opening night live with Jeff Keeley. Good day. It's a good day to be here. It's a good day to be a member. Zubair, do you think when a company makes a ton of money, do do you think that suddenly offsets loss, though? Like, they made more money than they expected on Steam. 
Don't you think they still internally are going to say this is not worth the effort? We've got other things to focus on. Do we really want to shoulder this burden? Like, yeah, we made a ton of money. We're, we're burning cash over here. Yeah, just keep burning cash. We made a bunch of money. I'm not saying that they're going to conclude that. I'm saying my prediction is it's far more likely that they launch without split screen than for Xbox to drop parody. If I'm choosing between which happens first, right? It's like a game of tug of war. Who's giving in first? Is Xbox going to drop parody? I do not think so. No. The optics on that is way more damaging than the game launching without split screen. I think it makes it so they have uh, they don't have to rush to get cash. It took over six years to make the game. I see them burning the cash. Just started watching the opening monologue. Didn't care much until Lona said that PC will also be affected with feature cuts. Darn you, Series S. Yeah, have you guys not considered that? Huh? Hey, Series S is uh, PC Master Race. You guys listening? Hey, hey, quit counting your frames and listen up. PC Master Race, every single first-party Xbox title is going to have lost features even on PC because it's got launched on the Series S. Don't you think <laughs> Don't you think that Microsoft's going to have a real problem with that? Imagine let's just talk about um Hellblade 2. Imagine Hellblade has some crazy awesome feature and Series X and the Series S don't get it. But PC does. I don't know, some crazy cool cinematic photo mode or something. You think Microsoft would be okay with that? I don't think they would. I, I, I don't think they would. Have you seen Doc Dark's new take on parody being a good thing? <laughs> Listen, man. Listen, Doc, you gotta stop, bro. <laughs> My man, my man said it's a good thing. He said because the games are going to be ready for handhelds. He's like, Doc, let me talk to you for a second. <laughs> you just said Xbox is basically a handheld then, right? That every game's got to be at the level of a handheld. Ooh wee. That's not, you got to flip the coin around sometimes, Doc. You got to flip the coin around. <laughs> What's the other side of this? This <laughs> is I watched this video and I said, not like this, Doc. Not like this, dude. This parody <laughs> parody's not, parody with the series that's not a good thing, bro. <laughs> they didn't they didn't do this for handheld, Doc! They didn't do this for handheld, bro. <laughs> I admire his creativity, okay? Admire his creativity. But you're using crayons on a dry erase board. It just don't work. <laughs> It just don't work. Even though it's creative. It's not, it's not, it's not working. Split screen is probably the least important feature you can worry about putting in games these days. Especially implementing it for the five people who still use it. And could impair the quality and the potential of the game, which it does. I don't think split screen is paramount. But I do think a split screen game won game of the year two years ago. So I think acting as if only five people would use it is absolutely silly. I think couch co-op in games like this is actually quite popular. Um, 
I also think you have to consider that split screen's not the real issue. Split screen is a symptom of an underlying problem, right? If you're like, well, my car only does this thing when I'm going really, really fast and I have to turn and veer left on the highway. That's the only time it happens. I don't do that that often. It's not that important. You know, 90% of the time I'm driving the car, I'm not doing that. Well, a mechanic might say, yes, but that's indicative of an underlying problem in the car itself that needs to be examined. It could cause other issues. I'm completely making something up, by the way. I'm not a car mechanic. But do you understand? Just because split screen is, number one, I think it's a rare feature. I don't think there's a ton of gaming developers out there that are like, we can't do split screen? Aw, shucks. Like, I don't think that's a huge uh, feature push from a lot of developers, but I think it's indicative of an underlying problem. And so, from what we know of developers, developers really like to push the envelope and basically looking at a platform and saying, okay, that's what we're going to be potentially facing. My girlfriend and I finished it, t- it Takes Two and keep asking me for a new game to play together. Split screen is important. That was an outlier. The other end is Gotham Knights design choices because of split screen. Gotham Knights wasn't bad because of split screen. Gotham Knights was bad because of baked in ray tracing choices, movement choices. I, th- th- we, we don't know the true real problems with Gotham Knights. I am continue to be convinced that that was a, that was a mobile game they decided to port the, the players that they, the players move on rigid axis the way the camera positions itself and the way the animations play out it's it's like that marvel p- p- mobile game it, it looks so similar the, the the reason that gotham knights turned out the way they did to be like oh that's because of split screen what are you talking about does gotham knights even have split screen are you talking about untethered co-op i feel like you're jumping train tracks that's not even remotely what we're talking about No one take a car uh, for a checkup to Lono. Not the best analogy, but still a solid point. Oh, I, I can give you one that I know of. If your car is going really fast and you apply the brakes and the car shakes, that usually is an indication that something's going on with your rotors, right? It doesn't happen at slower speeds. Well, I'm not usually doing 70 or 80 miles an hour and having to apply my brakes on the highway. But when I do, the car shakes. Oh, yeah, get your rotors looked at, Okay. But to ignore it and say, well, it's not that big of a deal, it doesn't happen that often, doesn't mean that it's not indicative of an underlying problem in the car. The, the split-screen dilemma is an indication that there's an underlying problem here. When you, If you look at the pattern from Xbox right now, it's extremely, extremely difficult not to conclude that the Series S is c- causing problems right now, and it's going to continue it's going to continue to cause problems if look at the pattern what's the what's the pattern right now with xbox is that their first party games keep getting delayed and then they launch lacking features now we can champion starfield and we can sing from the roofs top rooftops i looked at the 45 minute leaked footage and I think there's good and bad there. The guy recorded it vertically on his phone. Uh, why? But he did. He literally had his phone in like his lap and he recorded vertical. I saw good. I saw things that, you know, I was expecting to see, like potentially a shallow FOV and issues with frame rate, right? It, it also looked like he either had never touched a controller before in his life or there was no aim assist, which I think will be interesting with respect to how shooting feels for Xbox players. But. 
let's just say that Starfield is a triumph. All signs point to Starfield landing high with scores. All signs point to Starfield being the literal champion of Xbox this year. No one, no one's going to point to Redfall. Everyone, you know, Hi-Fi Rush. Okay, great, but that's a distant memory. Like, like three million players, right? I, I, it was hilarious to me. People wanted to dog on Final Fantasy for selling three million in the first week to you know thirty-eight million PlayStations, and it's like you had three million total players after like what months? After months of twenty-something million people able to play, like. But but hey, but hey, you know who who's keeping track of those things? They don't really they only matter when it matters, right? Anyways, Starfield will be Xbox's champion this year. It will be. But that doesn't push against the pattern that we're seeing. The concern I have right now is how many games are pushing back their timelines and cutting features because of the Series S. Your first-party studios, except for Starfield, and even Starfield, we have no idea what might have been cut, what might have been removed or toned down. Series S could have been the primary reason for the delay. There's even been some graphical downgrades that people have put together montages of. They toned things down in Starfield. They toned down lighting. They toned down textures. Just look at the character details. Well, why did they do that? It's, it's hard not to think, well, it, the only way you're going to get this thing to run on the Series S is you're going to have to tone down some of that lighting, you're going to have to tone down some of those textures. And so they made, you know, they made those changes to the game to get it to run. Even if you look at Starfield, it looks like it might have lost some things because of the Series S. There's no way to know. They're never going to come out and tell us. This is a reach? What do you mean it's a reach? We're watching games come from Xbox get delayed, and lack features at launch. We're, look at Starfield. It went through graphical downgrades in certain in certain scenarios. Now, when I watched the Starfield Direct, I said, that looked like a different game. The shooting looked better. The movement looked better. I thought all those things looked better. But then when you look closely at some of the character detail, it's like they, they had to downgrade some of this. They had to downgrade some of the skin texture. They had to downgrade some of the lighting. Why? Now, you could say, oh, those were artistic decisions. Okay, maybe. But if you continue to see games getting delayed, launching without features, or launching not ready, I, I don't understand. How are you not going to look at the Series S and not think, this has been a consistent problem? Ig- ignore Starfield for a second. Just ignore Starfield. Because I don't think Starfield is going to be one where we're going to run to it and say we didn't get the game that we were promised or whatever. As far as I can tell, they're delivering what they promised. So let's just ignore Starfield for a second. After this year, Phil Spencer's vision for one, one game at quality every quarter. With what we've seen from everything up to now, how confident are you in that happening? How? Like, just be honest. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm asking, where's your confidence level in that happening, getting these big games every quarter at quality? Textures are directly related to memory, says Kratopsy. The problem is feature parity many times extends to the other platform.
Why are they delayed six months and then right before release, oh yeah, we're missing features. If we define a quarter as three years, then Forza Horizon is doing fine. <laughs> Did you intend to spell it as Horza Horizon? What is going on, Zuby? Are you alright? I do not think Series S is the only culprit in the case of Starfield. The game was a mess, according to insiders. Right, I don't think Starfield's the best example because we have indications that, like, Xbox thought the game wasn't ready. Which is interesting, right? Bethesda's walking around, Todd Howard's walking around saying, oh yeah, the date's set in ink. And, uh... Microsoft walks in the room and was like, yeah, why don't you take a little bit more time with that game? Hmm? Now, why did they say it? Why? Why did they say take more time? Did they say take more time because it didn't look very good? Did they say take more time because we want to make sure this thing runs well on the S? Did they say take more time? Who knows why they said take more time? It's just another game in a pattern of games that got delayed. And we have it on good authority that a handful of these games are getting delayed and and losing features or missing features because of the Series S. So when you look at that pattern, I'm not saying Starfield is because of Series S, but it's with another another group of games that are suffering from similar situations. Halo Infinite wasn't even like pushing next-gen graphics, and it still had its own issues and its own performance problems like having to lower the resolution just to hit 60 fps on the series s like dynamic 1080 i'm not talking about internal here i'm talking about the actual resolution being 1080 dynamic it needs to have the resolution set to go up and down just to give you 60 fps that's halo infinite by the way that's first party No spoiler, just gameplay. Yeah, there was no major spoilers in the 40 minutes of gameplay. If you can find a re-upload of the Starfield 40 minutes of gameplay, it's. I think it's good. It's the quality of the video is not great because he recorded it with his cell phone, but it's a good. It's a good showcasing of how the game opens. There's nothing tectonic in the opening. It's a pretty basic opener. They're just establishing certain things. I can give you the pros and the cons. I would say the pros are. I thought the graphics looked good. The movement looked good. And the when he got when he told the ship to take off, there was virtually like no loading at all. It was very quick, right? Because people were worried about loading screens. Now we'll wait to see once you're on a planet and going into certain places, you know. But the loading screen of hey, you're taking off, it was really fast. Okay, those are the pros. Cons: the cons would be I felt like the FOV was shallow. That was an issue in Redfall. The gun just feels huge in the screen. It's it's not it's not a, it's not like a wide FOV. It feels almost zoomed in. It's hard to tell because he was on a cell phone. But that but the one the mining tool just felt big. It reminded me of some of the shallowness of the FOV in Redfall. And then uh, frame rate. It was just obvious that the frame rate was. I just think 30 is obvious when you're in those areas and you're spinning the camera fast. And I don't know if there was something going on with aim assist, but the guy, it was like it was like the first time he ever touched a controller. I don't know if he was like trying to awkwardly hold his phone or something and that was messing him up. But like he was aiming in just really bizarre ways. I wasn't sure what was going on. I wasn't sure if it was the game or if it was him. It was like what? It, there seemed like there was no aim assist at all. 
Are they officially dropping parody or just a discussion? Well, the title of the stream is Xbox Series S dropping parody discussion, like a discussion about should they, what would happen if they did. So basically, I'll give you guys a bit of a summary. We're an hour into the broadcast. Feel free to give some members and smash the like button. It helps out the stream. We should easily have well over 300 likes by now. It helps out the video. Hit subscribe if you guys want to talk in uh, my chat. So basically... What we've done this morning is we've recapped what had happened with Baldur's Gate 3. It rose again in its in its uh it rose again in its cur- in concurrent player numbers and it also had its score on Metacritic go up one more time and then it came back down. It was like 97, yay, and then it dropped to 96. And then it got the highest score on PC Gamer that they've given out in like 16 years. Now, in the wake of this, there were there were pro Xbox guys and pundits on Twitter. They were Xbox podcasts basically saying we should drop parody. Microsoft should bend the rules on parody. Okay? Because their their argument was essentially this. Baldur's Gate 3 is too big to miss this year. It's too big. You, you can't not get this game. Like, come on. You guys have got to get this game in 2023. Now, the the... The way that they, they've set this up with launch date of Baldur's Gate 3 probably won't bother most Xbox fans too much because when Baldur's Gate 3 comes to the PlayStation 5, the, the, a lot of the Xbox community is going to be playing Starfield, okay? My personal prediction is they'll they'll just launch this game in November or December because Baldur's Gate 3 is going to be picking up steam again in that time because of all the award nominations and, and the game awards and that'd be a great time to just drop it on Xbox and just say we'll, we're going to have to bring split screen later but then there's all types of theories about that right this person brought up uh, Colin and what he said about $100 games and then this guy went on a rant uh, for 10 minutes when he apparently didn't even watch the show Uh, here's what Colin elaborated to a bit further I've said very very many times they're just smear merchants They they don't watch your content they misrepresent your content they lie about you they're just smear merchants their time in the spotlight will fade like every other dishonest smear merchant has historically. It doesn't last. It doesn't last. You have nothing to stand on. You have no character or integrity. You know, you have you have nothing to stand on. That that constant flow of of hate and dishonesty from that side, man, that is a short short blaze in the sun and it won't last cuz you can't you can't do it forever. Can't. Eventually the cracks the cracks in the veneer form and people are like, "Yeah, you're just not an honest person." We think Microsoft is relieved that Baldur's Gate 3 is delayed for Xbox since it would have launched the same day as Starfield. I mean... (laughs) I actually don't know what they think about that because I could have seen them bump Starfield. Maybe? I actually don't know. That's a really interesting question. Like, if this wasn't happening, what would Microsoft think of what would Microsoft think of of Baldur's Gate 3 landing same week as Starfield that's that's actually an interesting question I actually don't know I don't know what they would do I don't know what they would think because it certainly would 
be a, dis- a bit of a distraction given its size and its prominence here's the deal though I don't think anybody perceived or predicted that this was going to happen I don't think anybody did if listen to me if you're planning let's imagine that Baldur's Gate 3 has no problems on the Xbox and it's coming full steam ahead same time as PlayStation 5 right I, I can't imagine anybody thinking oh yeah Baldur's Gate 3 is going to be it's going to be really hard to contend with it's it's going to be massive I don't think anybody anticipated it. their CEO told the IT department to anticipate like 100,000 concurrence I don't think they expected to come close to 900,000 concurrent players in their second weekend first weekend was in the 800 uh, 814 or whatever it was so or 840 I forget what it was but they were not anticipating it either so I don't think Microsoft or Bethesda would have anticipated it and in the wake of it exploding on PC and getting a lot of clear head nods for Game of the Year, I don't think that Microsoft would have done every, anything. I think what Slave to the System is saying would be more likely. Larian would have just bumped all of the launches. They bumped PC, and then they would have just bumped PlayStation and Xbox to like, I don't know, this week. Go up to Gamescom, do a little presser, do a little trailer, say, you can play it today. It's downloadable, purchasable today on Xbox Series X and S and PlayStation 5, right? I think they, I think Larry, it would have been more likely for Baldur's Gate 3 to get shuffled back because Microsoft been like, listen, man, <laughs> you got to get out of here. You know, I don't think Microsoft would have felt threatened, but it certainly would be a giant distraction. You know, you go to your storefront. And you're looking at, well, the, the, the advantage that Starfield would have had is that Starfield's on Game Pass and Baldur's Gate 3 would not be. So that would have been an advantage that, you know, Starfield would be in the funnel of, hey, come check out this amazing new game, biggest game of the year for Xbox on Game Pass or spend $70 on, on you know, Baldur's Gate 3. Maybe the delay isn't just tech-based. I don't know. No, Luis Castillo. The idea that they're delaying the game for ulterior motives, you wouldn't be as transparent as they've been about the problems with split screen, about the fact that like Xbox engineers are helping them. I no. It has not been a pleasant experience for them de- not launching the game that you know, is is as big as it is and is they're trying to have a great year and they're dealing with a bunch of nonsense on Twitter. Games Radar just leaked the Echoes update for No Man's Sky earlier early. Freighter battles sound epic and a new robot race is being added and wizard like staffs. <laughs> What's good, Kaz and Steve? I know you're excited about that. No Man's Sky just continues to look crazy good. Parasito says, my friend plays Baldur's Gate 3 split screen on his laptop with his girlfriend. Decent laptop, closer to S than X specs. Ultra wide with NVIDIA surround, so they each have a full monitor to use. Split screen reduces res to 2730 by 768 Still runs much better than expected. The fact that Larian is running into problems with the S is extremely telling with how weak the S really is. This is coming from Parasito in our members only Discord. Larian has chosen to avoid clear methods for extracting more money from players. They aren't wholly cash motivated. They're not a public company. VR, here we come. Yeah, dude. No Man's Sky in VR is just so good. It feels so, so good. No Man's Sky just keeps getting better and better. 
that's the one game I wish I had time for. I wish, I wish I had time to like slap the headset on and play. Here's a real question. Does the data support of people will even play Baldur's Gate 3 on Xbox if it's not on Game Pass? I mean, that's a larger discussion that I feel like we continually have. I think that's a larger discussion that we continually have, which is does Game Pass um does Game Pass make it difficult for developers and publishers to land on the platform successfully without Game Game Pass? There's there, there's two ways to look at it, right? Krenab says, I watched the Colin interview and I kind of agree. Games should cost more. What do you think about what we get out of them? Especially when you think about inflation. I've always said that we get away with absolute highway robbery in most exchanges of value. $60 for games for the last, you know, 30 years is just hilarious. Compare the average $60 game that you buy right now to the games that we played growing up and the density, the length, the graphics, the experiences, the work, the breadth of the project, all the work that goes into it. It's not even comparable at all. It's not. But there are really bad launches. We're not talking about the games that are obviously not worthy of purchase. We're talking about games that launch that we enjoy and play. We get away with... We get away, we we get away with highway robbery. Aaron Claypool with five dollar super chat tip. As far as dollars to entertainment, it's just insane to me. You you so sixty dollars for a video game, right? Sixty dollars for a video game. They're now seventy, but up to now they've been sixty. So sixty dollars for a video game. <clears throat> That's three movies worth. If I try to buy movies right now so that I own them and I can watch them as many times as I want on Amazon, they're roughly $20 to $25. Okay? So that's three movies worth. That's roughly six six to, if they're longer movies, that's between six and nine hours worth of movies that generally you watch once and that's the end of it. Okay? For $60, the average game, even the even the more shallow games of single-player games where you just play it straight through, even the more shallow games are landing in the 12 to 15 hours to complete. You know, more medium-sized games are landing in the 20, 20 hours to complete, and then larger games land in 30 to 50 hours to complete. But you don't pay more. Right? When you, when you buy an extended edition DVD, you pay more, don't you? Why? It's longer. It's got more stuff in it. When you pay for a game that's got a 12-hour campaign or a game that's this massive, insane open world with all these amazing things to do, it's still just $60. Isn't that crazy? That would be like going to the store and being able to buy a movie for 20 bucks that lasts about three hours or buy a season that's 20 hours long and it's also just 20 bucks it's like there's no difference this movie's three hours long this entire season of this show is 20 hours long and they're both just 60 dollars like nobody considers that video games have varying degrees of size, density, replayability and you're like a 10 dollar increase you're freaking lucky that some of the best games haven't cost what they were worth because you would have paid twice, if not three times that. If you really paid for what you were getting. 
you pay more for more in virtually every other industry. You want a 20-hour season? Pay up. You want two seasons? You want you want 40 hours worth of content to watch on your couch? Well, pay up. You're not paying $20 for that. So, when we when you look at the way that things are set up in digital entertainment, you tend to pay more to get more. That's generally how it works. And in video games, we've just completely avoided that. We have completely avoided that. The rising costs of digital entertainment across all sectors never touched video games. It didn't. Albums cost more. Movies cost more. TV shows cost more. All those things have gone up in price. If you look at the price of a Blu-ray now to when like I was buying DVDs as a kid, or you look at the price of albums when I was buying like CDs from Best Buy for $9.99, and then go look at the price of an album when it drops now, right? practically double the cost if not more sometimes 20 24 25 bucks for an album instead of you know 10 bucks i went and bought cartridges for 60 bucks and then i was going to the store and buying games just a year ago for 60 bucks now sure they've gone up to 70 but that's that's nothing in the grand scheme of things and then again, if you actually compare what you're getting, when I bought a movie growing up as a kid, it was two to two and a half hours. When I buy a movie today, it's two to two and a half hours. When I bought a video game growing up as a kid, the length and the density of a lot of those games was like a weekend, the way that we play now. You'd burn through a lot of those games in a weekend. You know, six to eight hours, done. Game's over. You spend that now in a game... And six hours gets you through like the opening credits. I'm I don't even know how many hours I put into uh, Final Fantasy 16. I think I played 12 or 13 hours, and like I'm just according to people, I'm like just getting started. Like I'm a third of the way through the game at 13 hours. The experiences I've had in that game, the cutscenes, the combat, the places I've gotten to visit, I virg- I basically played three old games in one and and price hasn't really gone up so i i think the price discussion is is one that continues to just show gamers don't really have a grasp on what every other economic sector has done it's 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 very similar the people that get bent about price increases are the same people that get bent about well all games should be on every platform it's it's the same uninformed economically ignorant position that's not based on market realities and what these businesses would have to spend and what they would have to do to hit margins and to get the products out it's like if you look at any other sector of any market you you look foolish like the game the positions that gamers take up don't land in any other market they don't you would look you'd look idiotic hey you 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 spent all that money all that research and development making that product for your own platform for your own business it should be available everywhere you'd look ignorant they'd be like what are you talking about that doesn't make any sense we spent all this money to boost our own presence in the market we're boosting demand for us what do you mean it should be everywhere the idea that like no 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 you your prices shouldn't change for 40 years 
even though every other sector around you prices have gone up right food gas cars electronics appliances lawn care water electricity everything in the world's price has gone up but you shouldn't they would look at you they'd laugh you out of the room they'd be like get out of here you're not in line with reality, but gamers consistently take up positions that are not in line with reality. They're not in line with the basic economics. It's just, I want this for no money. And this is one of the reasons why we should be concerned about the the forces of, of companies pushing for either submodel or over monetized or any of those habits where like you're basically getting into the game for free and spending no money that's actually not good for value transmission because what you end up doing is you create a consumer base that's satisfied with throw it over my shoulder disposable gaming well i don't care if it's any good i'm just going to play it for an afternoon and toss it over my shoulder i'm gonna play it for a week and then toss it over my shoulder you're creating a, a sort of a ravenous wood chipper where games are so transient and yet the work that goes into them ahead of time is insane. A wood chipper is a great analogy because the time it takes for a tree to grow and then it's and then it's just shredded into wood chips, that's kind of what the gaming community does to games. It's like the monument of work that goes into a game and then we're like, it shouldn't have a higher price it shouldn't cost any more. It should come out right now. There should be no planned DLC. There should be no microtransactions. Like, in, or, or you don't even want to buy it at all. Who buys games, right? And you just throw it through the wood shepherd, and then a week later, nobody's talking about it. Patrick Q with 13 months. Oh, your luxury entertainment item is a bit too expensive. Give me a break. Love the show, Lono. Thank you, Patrick. If games were 100, you'd only need to sell two copies instead of three. The same people leave bad reviews after spending 600 hours in a game. Every industry on Earth has some sort of exclusive product or service. Right. There's That's exactly right. There's always some measure of, we made this for us. That's, that, that's always a thing. That's always a thing. And and game oh, every other sector game pri- every other sector says their prices go up every other sector. <laughs> if they were hundred dollars, you wouldn't sell nearly as many for that two to three ratio to even work. Well, as far as we can tell, the seventy dollar price increase has lowered quantity, but it hasn't harmed revenue. It's leveled out. I don't think we're going to hundred dollars anytime soon. They kept prices the same for their benefit, not for ours. They raised prices now for their benefit, not for ours. Right. It's not like up to now they stayed at $60 because they liked you. They stayed at $60 because that's what the market would bear. It's what the market would support. Let's look at what Apple does with their products. You don't see anyone complaining that iMessage isn't on Android. Right, they made their own thing. They made their own product, and it's available on their hardware. Right, I, it's I in in general, I do think we're getting into weird territory with software because I do think there are going to be times where it makes sense to put your software everywhere, but there's going to be times where it doesn't make sense to put your software everywhere because it's your own proprietary thing that drives your 
hardware. It drives your ecosystem. It drives your company. Are you seriously on here pushing for another price increase? You really want Game Pass to be super successful? I didn't I wasn't pushing for price increase. I never said that we should be we should be asking for price increases. I said that gamers commonly take up positions that are not informed by basic economics. They don't they don't agree that prices should ever go up and they think that games should just be everywhere. Those are nonsensical positions in any other market. You can't argue that in any other economic market. You can't. It doesn't work. Yo, what's good, Christos? I'm trying to get a group on Friday night to play that shooter. What's the name of the shooter, Eugene? Just a blip. Yeah, I think we had a couple of blips there. We lost, like, a ton of people. We're not talking about Series S. I, did, I didn't feel like people felt like talking about it. It was like, I'm, they can't drop parity. If they drop parity, it might be a lawsuit. Like, there's not a lot of traction with that argument anymore. It's more about waiting to see what Microsoft decides to do. So we got off on other tangents now. Yeah, Firewall. Yeah, 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 Firewall. Firewall Ultra, this Friday night. I was going to do a members-only stream with my wife, hang out with the community for a little bit, and then I was going to try to play Firewall Ultra with some people. Because it's like, what, like four-player? Is it four-player PvE co-op? I don't, I'm not interested in PvP. I'd be, it'd be fun to play, like, missions together. And how do you communicate in that game to each other? Is there a mic built into the PSVR 2? I don't think there is. Um, Solemn says that's 10 bucks try it at 100 and then see how many hands those games uh, become out of reach for and then parents not letting their kids get into gaming because of it completely changing the future market yeah but you're talking about something that's not going to happen in the near future and when it does happen it'll happen at a time when the market allows for it Solemn what you're saying is nonsensical because companies aren't just going to arbitrarily be like, yep, 100 bucks now. Our games are 100 bucks. Oh, there's a mic in the earbuds? All right, well, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let's play Friday night. Like, what you're saying is nonsensical, Solemn, because companies are not just going to be like, yep, 100 bucks now. It's 100 bucks for, uh, it's $100 for our game. They'll only do it when market research dictates that the market will support it. So what you're saying doesn't add up. It's like they're not going to do it and then suddenly lose a ton of money and be like, well, there's tons of consumers that can't buy our product anymore. They'll only do it when they know the market will support it. They only bumped to 70 when they knew, yeah, the market's going to support this. They'll be okay with a $10 price increase on this. Um, once Lona was in my D2 PvP match and I thought I was good this is another secret account I'm not sure what you're saying I was in but what I wanted to stop Ah, why is my thing not I clicked on your channel why is my chrome not muted yeah you made this account in March I don't know who you are 
Oh, it's only two-player co-op in Firewall? Oh. It's not in the earbuds. It's on the bottom of the headset, right by your nose. Well, that makes more sense. Apple would disagree. They just uh, budged the line every single year until we had $1,000 phones across the market as opposed to 500 or less. Lono is not saying that games should cost more. He's saying we receive good value for what we are paying. Yeah, I've not at all said today that we should be paying more. I've said we commonly take up positions that are not in line with economic realities of inflation. You can't put the game everywhere because not every studio can support that and do that. You think every indie studio, every AA studio, even every AAA studio can just inflate their budget, inflate their project length and breadth to put their dadgum game everywhere? Again, you're taking up an ignorant position. That's an, It's a one-size-fits-all position that's not in line with market realities or the economic realities of game development. It's ideological. Again, that's all I was saying is we take up positions commonly that are not tenable. That's not me saying, I really think these game companies should be charging us $100. I wasn't saying that. I was saying the $70 price increase is nothing in the grand scheme of things. We've been getting away with highway robbery. $60 for a game that I can dump 30 and 50 hours into? Where else can you spend that much money and get that much entertainment? Where? You can't do that almost anywhere else. Whether it's an album or a movie, what are you gonna pay? You gonna buy a movie for twenty dollars and watch it, you know, eighteen times? We pay more. Nearly every game launch is broken. Unsubstantiated claim that could be proven to be false. Nearly every game launch is broken. So nearly every. So what's that? Ninety percent. You think about ninety percent of the games coming to market are broken? You think you can substantiate that? Can you demonstrate that in the market right now? Can you add up all the games that came out? Let, I'll just give you an assignment. Just August. Just August. Add up all the games that came out in August and how many of them launched broken. You think it was about 90%? You gotta look at Nintendo. You gotta look at Xbox. You gotta look at PlayStation. You gotta look at PC. You think nearly every game that launched was broken. So the vast majority were broken. I don't think you can substantiate that claim. I think that claim would get falsified. That, that, that game would that claim would get falsified objectively. You would just add up all the games that came out. You'd go look at their review scores, and you would determine that no, these games are not broken. They're just fine. How many games need a day one patch? Do you know why they get day one patches? Do you understand the bandwidth economics as to why that happens? You, you think a day one patch is indicative of the fact that we spend too much for games or that games launch broken? Do you understand why day one patches happen? Explain it to me. Educate me on why day one patches happen. Go for it. Act like you're a teacher and this is a classroom and you're going to explain to us why day one patches happen. Do it. Explain it to us. That's not true. There's a lot of broken games recently compared to no games being broken, but not the majority. If you're going by percentages, it's the minority of games that are that bad. That's exactly my point. The vast majority of games do not launch broken. We just happen to remember the really bad ones, and then that that overshadows everything. 
We're going to ignore Zelda. We're going to ignore Final Fantasy 16. We're going to ignore Hi-Fi Rush. We're going to ignore um, Hogwarts Legacy. Or we'll overstate minor problems, right? 60 seconds in the digital founder review of Final Fantasy 16 is all you hear about. Not the 19 minutes of glowing praise. Right, but we're gonna we're gonna overstate. There were some minor glitches and bugs in Hogwarts. Like so many games launched that were perfectly fine, but like all we remember is Jedi Survivor, or all we remember is Redfall. And there's 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 a litany of games everywhere that launched just fine. Yeah, Dead Island Two actually had perfectly fine reviews, as far as I could tell. I wasn't interested in another zombie game, but it didn't launch broken. Y'all are doing a bang-up job disproving Lono's assertion that gamers are ignorant. Bugs don't equate b- broken. Define broken. Redfall, Jedi Survivor, those are the few, but many, uh, if not most, need patches for critical updates. To be fair, we've already seen games at near $100. They slap Digital Deluxe Edition on it, and you get a shiny hat for your character and a soundtrack to download. Good grief. Tens of games launch a week and potentially hundreds launch in a given month. I think the argument could be made that most of those that need day one patches are AAA titles within your view. Well, let me tell you why why day one patches happen because I do think people need to be educated. I think a lot of the times the perception is the day one patch is admission that the game's not ready. That's what people think. In the most concise way, many gamers... From the armchair, they say, well, a day one patch proves the game is not ready. At one level, it's hard to blame you for this. Because patches are typically attempts to fix the game. So in your mind, that's what you do. You connect those lines. You're like, day one patch, game's not ready, it needs fixed. Right? The problem is, is the actual reason that a day one patch happens is because the version of the game that you download is old. The version of the game that they put on the disc is old. And they continued working on the game. So they were like, hey, we can polish this. Oh, hey, we found the mission that acts kind of funky. Oh, hey, we resolved that lighting issue in room 17A. Okay, we okay, we okay, pushed we we figured out all these things that we were kind of having some issues with, right? And so they push out a day one patch. The day one patch is not indicative that the game wasn't ready. It's indicative of the fact that like they've been working on the game all the way up until the very last minute. 20 spot from Super Googly. Tears of the Kingdom is a POS. It'd be a shame if it wins game of the year. I would argue it's not a POS. It reviewed very well and has been highly praised. Super creative game. I would say it's a triumph given the hardware that it's running on and it deserves awards. Game has gone gold. Everyone take a two-week vacation and we'll get back to it on release date. I'll continue to bang on this drum every time. Calculate for inflation. Games are cheaper now than they were in the 1980s. Yeah, that's another thing that gets lost in the inflation argument is I was buying cartridges for 60 bucks. At the time, according to inflation, I was spending between 100 to 120 bucks 
depending on what calculator you use. So I'm spending less now, even at $70 when I buy a game, according to inflation, I'm spending less money than I did as a kid when I would like save up my paper route money to buy a video game. Oh no. No, day one patches happen because the real going gold date this day is the release date. No. That's not true at all. You're just moving the goalposts. Going gold means the game is ready for launch. Patching patching and fixing issues in the game does not mean that the game isn't ready to launch. Let's say your 18th mission has a weird glitch or a bug in it, and there's some lighting issues in some of the areas. Does that mean the game's not ready to go? It's not gold? It's got some minor, non-game-breaking things that happen. Yeah, there's some weird flickering in one of the rooms. Yeah, there's this one mission where if you do it in the wrong order, you know, it, it might softlock you. And they resolve those issues week one. I, like There are... There's a hierarchy of issues in games, is there not? Because Chris Toast was just saying, she's like, I didn't feel like Jedi Survivor was broken at launch. I played it and had no major issues. Fight me. (laughs) Fight me, Chris. Like... That that game is is runs in an abysmal way. It's awful. I don't know how you tolerated it. Unless you do, you commonly play games at quality mode. I don't know how you tolerated that game at all. It runs so bad on my PlayStation Five. It's ugly. It's embarrassing, given the studio behind it and the money behind it. But was it broken? It was about as close to broken as you can get. It was. It actually was broken at launch. There were missions that wouldn't work. You could get locked in the one room, and then there were these bounty things that simply did not work. So, CrossFit Nerd with 21 months in a VIP, and he drops a 10-bomb on the stream. Thank you so much for doing that, taking us all the way to 20. We have a stretch goal of 4,500. If you guys want to hit that, you can go hard today. You might want to save it for the co-stream later of opening night live Uh, some patches are also because the devs were waiting on other devs like Microsoft or Nvidia uh, for extra driver support no survivor was not broken it's just before standards and I'm waiting to finish it when it's better before standards oh below standards I got to have you on my podcast because I got to. De- I want to. De- I want to debate you so bad. I would argue it's not below standards. I would argue that it doesn't run well. Like, there's a difference between saying this is below standards because, like, I don't know, lighting, textures, and resolution look old gen. That's how I would define below standards. It doesn't run well, Chris. What do people call you for short? I don't feel like saying Christos every time. A five spot from Rock and Robin, and then the Agent of Chaos to bump us to 26. Patrick is the Agent of Chaos. I would I would never argue that a game running poorly is below standards. I would say, no, that's unacceptable. It needs to run well. Entire frame hitches, frame drops, screen tearing... That's not below standards. That's running bad. DK Beggar with another gifted member. Sorry, DK. 
Patrick's got your number on being the agent of chaos. Call you toast. Toasty. Okay, I'll call you toast. I'm sorry, Lona, but publishers and managers do consider the day one as the release these days. That's why I called it the real going gold date. <clears throat> so you just you're just defining things how you see fit though, Empreb, and that's confusing for communication. For communication's sake, going gold and release dates are different things. Now you're saying, I called it the real going gold date, but going gold has never been about releasing the game. It's been about our game is ready to ship. You see this above? Starfield has a loading screen for ladders? Are you sure he's not just going into the ship? That's weird. I didn't catch that when I watched the 45 minutes of leaked footage. That is weird. At least it's fast. But wait. Is are are we sure? Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. No, 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 no. That's not a loading screen for a ladder. That's him that, that's him going into the ship. That's tantamount to a door. I don't think every time you climb a ladder in Starfield there's going to be a loading screen. People are jumping to conclusions. It's like him going through a door. It's it's loading him into the into the ship. It's not a ladder loading screen. People are come on. People are being dishonest. That's not accurate at all. He's going into the ship. <clears throat> And, and when he takes off, it's really quick cutscene, like super quick cutscene. It's, it's not, it's like super fast. The loading in the game is almost non-existent. Uh, Toast says, I have a higher tolerance for broken. I'm not happy about it, but as long as it doesn't give me a headache, it doesn't bother me. Yeah, your tolerance levels are fine. I, I was more arguing about whether or not I was pushing against your classification that it was below standards right you're saying oh it was just below standards no i think it was more extreme than that you can say subjectively for yourself you're like yeah that's i mean i'm not i'm a little bit more tolerant that's not i was taking issue with the phrasing below standards i'm like no below standards would be like lower resolution you know not as not as high uh, fidelity lighting and textures basically it looks like an old gen game would be a, a oh it's below standards I was saying, man, it runs poorly. That's not below standards. Something's wrong with the game. And you're like, well, my tolerance is a little bit higher. Well, that's fine. I don't, I don't, I don't really, I don't really get into the subjectivity of the individual user's ability to tolerate something. It's, is this game running well? And it wasn't. 20 spot from Super Googly. Can you explain why Tears of the Kingdom with 1080-30 and Dips into the Teens can get away with 10s? Reviews are a joke. You need me to explain this to you? It's running on a piece of mobile hardware that is six years old. It's not running on a next-gen rig. It's not running on a rig that promised 60 FPS. It's not running on a rig that promised high-fidelity graphics. It's running on a mobile gaming device that was sold and launched in 2017. That's why. I might not have noticed it, but I get it. I mean, I think some people are more sensitive than others to those types of things, Christos. I do. I think some people are more sensitive. I'm extremely sensitive to it. As soon as I see a hutter, uh, a hutter, as soon as I see a hitch or a stutter, I'm like, what was that? 
What's going on? What what was what happened there? It's a mobile device. Final Fantasy 16 has done fine. It hasn't sold the most ever of anything, and no, it isn't a sale a failure. It's done fine. For some reason, this has completely broken some fans' brains. Look at his profile. He's a troll. No, he's not. Super Googly's not a troll. He's super chatted tons of money in the last couple of days. He has uploads about Wolong and Hogwarts. Um, max settings. Super Googly is not a troll. He's had his. They've had their YouTube accounts in 2008. That doesn't seem like a troll to me. Their accounts older than mine. It's running on last gen. Right, and I think that's the dilemma: is we don't have an equivalency to the Switch in the market. That's the problem. Like, imagine that. Imagine that Xbox decided not to do a next-gen console, since they kind of did anyway with the Series S. Heyo! So let's just imagine that they didn't do a next-gen console, and you were playing their latest and greatest game on their Xbox One X. Let's say Forza Horizon, okay? And it looked beautiful, and it was really innovative on racing, and it checked a ton of great boxes. And someone said, why is that game getting 9s and 10s? It's running at 30 FPS. Well, somebody would say, it's running on an old system. Right? It's, it's running on, it's, it's not running on next-gen hardware. It's an, it's an old-gen game. Like, nobody that played Horizon Forbidden West on the PlayStation 4 has a right to give it a lower score. You know what I'm saying? Like, if if you're going to play... Let's say you have two people reviewing Horizon Forbidden West, and one of them is playing on the PlayStation 4, and one of them is playing on the PlayStation 5. According to your own logic... According to your own logic... The person playing on the PlayStation 4 is allowed to take points off because it because it's running at 30 FPS. Now, if they did that, you would say, hold on a minute. You're, you're playing it on an old gen piece of hardware. And they would say, I don't care. That's it, No, it, it, it ran at 30 FPS. I'm taking points off. That would be just as illogical. That would be like somebody reviewing Halo Infinite on the oldest piece of equipment that was available to play it on. What could you play what could you play Halo Infinite on? Like an Xbox One? And then reviewing the game and being like, Yeah, it just doesn't look that good. It doesn't get great frames. And people you're playing it on an Xbox One, you dummy. You're playing it on old hardware. That's what everybody would say. And they would have a right to say that. Whether you're playing Ragnarok, Forbidden West, or any cross-gen game, reviewing it on old hardware and then subsequently taking points off for performance would be ridiculous. So when you look at a game landing on the Nintendo Switch and you're like, I don't understand why this game got such high praise. It runs at 30 FPS. It drops to 20 in some areas. And it's like, yes, it's running on old hardware. That was virtually what every game on old gen did for us for the most part anyway. I'll be playing on PS5, Sane. 
playing Ratchet and Clank on a PC with a 1060 and it runs like crap, 2 out of 10. That's a that's a that's an even better example. That's like playing a PC game on some cobbled together potato and being like I only get 20 FPS, so this game sucks. And it's like no, your hardware sucks. That's not an indication of the game's quality. Metacritic, a game can get a great score on console, but the PC version will have a lower score because it's locked at 30 or it has or has bad mouse and keyboard support. I completely support PC gamers reviewing the game within their context, though. That's fine. If a PC gamer is going to take off points because it has bad mouse and keyboard support, I said that I that's that. Yeah, that's totally fine. That's them saying, look, 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 look. You you bring your game to the PC platform, there's certain things you better do well, or they're going to take off points. There's, there's no... <laughs> like, there's no reason to be like, no, you're not allowed to take points off for that. We're argu- we were arguing about Tears of the Kingdom on the Nintendo Switch. <clears throat> Context works both ways. Right. Forza can have DLSS and Starfield can't. Thanks, AMD. Forza Motorsport on PC includes DLSS, FSR2, and direct storage support. We will also have a minimum PC spec and confirmation uh, frame rates will be locked in multiplayer. I'm assuming they have to lock frame rate in multiplayer because it would give people advantages. I'm not familiar with how frame rate affects racing games. I'm asking that. That is a question. Too slow, Eugene. Too slow, and apparently wearing a blindfold. He beat you. Wheezy beat you to the punch. As they prioritize this, sending them review codes to Posemon, but no matter how flawed the game is, it won't be acknowledged, similar to Redfall pre-release. I don't know why I'm being mentioned in this tweet. What's going on? If you're a car fan, then this is an important thing for you, which means an important place to us. The, Nür- the Nürburgring Grand Prix trial is coming to Forza Motorsport this October. I don't know why. Why Why is that? Again, why is that a big deal? Why is a racetrack coming to Forza a big deal? I don't understand. Hang on. I got a schedule. Forza Motorsport on PC includes DLSS, FSR, and direct storage support. You don't have to have an SSD. You shouldn't expect to play... Oh, if you don't have an SSD, you should not expect to play Forza Motorsport on PC this fall. This has nothing to do with Microsoft. Yet again, it's AMD. Um, How long ago did you publish that creature? Just now? That short? Uh, I gotta create a live stream for Immortals of Avium. Hang on. Open. Open. I, and then we're also doing opening night live. Open. Um. Hang on. Save that thumbnail. And then we got to... Oh, save that thumbnail, save that thumbnail, okay.
Give me one second. If you guys are typing in Discord and doing stuff, I'm not going to be able to see it. I'm getting our Immortal stream ready. We're going to be checking this game out on uh, PlayStation 5 while we wait for Opening Night Live to start. It's one of the most famous tracks in the world and a staple in these games. Oh, I had people mentioning me in it, and I was like, I don't, I don't understand what's going on. Um, okay. Do this, do this, this, do this, that. Oh, I can't. I got to go back to stream my stream holding room. Um, I need all my Immortals of Avium tags for the video. Okay. Actually, this does not include product placement because I have all that stuff out of the frame. Uh, subscribers, we don't need live reactions. And we'll do this at 12.15. Is Immortals out? Yeah, it's out today. We will be going over to this stream in about 40 minutes. So you guys can keep smashing the like button. We we did not at all discuss the topic today. I, I, I There's just too much going on, I think. I think Series S dropping parody was just... I think because so much is unknown, we talked about it for like 30 minutes and people were like, well... We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. Like, will will Xbox drop parody? Will they drop split screen? Like, when will Baldur's Gate 3? We speculated for about 30 minutes, and then we just ended up talking about all sorts of other things going on in the gaming world. Um, we, we got on a debate about Baldur's Gate 3 and Game of the Year. Uh, we've been talking about, you know, what have we been talking about in the last 20 or 30 minutes? Uh, and now, you know, now people are talking about, for, you know, Forza and DLSS. And even before that, we were talking about the different elements of day one patches and game prices. We've been all over the place. Nobody cares about the S. Well, I don't think that's true at all. I think that there's it's difficult to talk about it because we don't know what's going to happen. Right. When you have major Xbox podcast and, and, and like the guy from IGN who was like, yeah, you know, we, my PSVR 2 doesn't have any games. Super pro Xbox guy. When you have him saying that Microsoft should bend the rules on parody, saying that nobody cares about the S doesn't even make any sense. Like, that, that doesn't make any sense. Plenty of people care about the S. They're worried about what it's going to do long term. They're worried about whether or not they're going to be able to get games like Baldur's Gate. They're worried about how this is going to affect the ecosystem going forward. I, to say that no one cares is ludicrous. Gamescom is at 2 p.m. Eastern. Gamescom opening night live goes at 2 p.m. We'll go over around 1.30. We're going to play Immortals of Avium for like an hour or so. I think the most noteworthy element, says Zubair, is that the most devoted Xbox crowd has turned. Yes, you're 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 extremely you're extremely dedicated hardcore Xbox crowd have turned and said this needs to change. We this isn't gonna work. It's like they've slowly woken up to reality. 
That was Ryan who said that about the VR. I believe it was Destin who said it about the S. No, Ryan tweeted that they need to bend the rules about parody. Destin said that on the kind of funny uh, cast, he said, oh, we, they got to leave behind the S eventually. They both said different things. Ryan was the one that said they, sh- they should bend the rules. He has a tweet that that was his argument. They should be bending the rules. Baldur's Gate 3 is just too big. And Destin w- w- is the one that said on kind of funny, he was like, they-, they have to drop the Series S eventually. They have to leave it behind or something. I think he said, I think that's what he said. I think, I think he said they have to leave it behind eventually. And it's like, what, what do you mean leave it behind eventually? You're only three years in. It's the, it's the most saturated of the two. You, what do you mean leave it behind? He said it in the Unlocked podcast as well. Well, he tweeted and then I know they discussed it on Unlocked. I didn't watch Unlocked. I just saw his tweet. I saw his tweet. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, this is, this happened fast. We, we went we went from saying no series s is fine the series s is fine to well yeah we better we better we better lot drop on parody I'm telling you it's it's quite literally the stages of grief that's what it's been this the, the situation with Baldur's Gate 3 and the series s has quite literally been the stages of grief the first stage is anger Just, no I'm sorry the first stage is denial. Just flat out denial. Nope, it's not the Series S. Nope, Series S is fine. Nope, I've been told for two and a half years that the Series S is fine. That the Series S won't cause any problems. When the Baldur's Gate 3 news broke, I was told, nope, you're spinning this. It's not the Series S. You're lying. You're you're trying to slander Xbox. So, the initial stage of grief, just blatantly observable. Just flat out denial. And then, when it becomes clear that that's not true... That it is the Series S, denial turns to anger. Everybody starts going after Larry and, oh, it's their fault. It's their fault. They don't have enough resources. They're lazy, right? And then I got all this anger hurled at me. Why are you always hating on the Series S? At the time when we circled back to the situation with Baldur's Gate 3, I had done two shows on the Series S. Why are you always hating the Series S? You're just a hater. Well, we've moved from denial to anger. What comes after anger? Bargaining. That's where we are now. Now we're bargaining. Well, it's not the Series S. Series S is fine. Why are you always hating on the Series S? Larian's lazy. Well, it's time to bargain. Come on, Microsoft. Drop parody. I believe what comes after bargaining is depression. Yeah, depression. That's what awaits everyone next. Acceptance comes after depression. You're not going to get what you want. I don't believe in stages of grief. It's based off of like hundreds of years of psychological research, but sure. Depression's next. Because you're not going to get them to drop parity. Microsoft's not going to do it. And then finally, acceptance. The acceptance that the Series S has hamstrung the entire ecosystem. You're just going to accept it. It, it. At some level, we've kind of mingled bargaining with acceptance. It's like, well, the Series S is second class. It's a nuisance. It's a problem. Well, let's bargain. Let's try to fix this.
I have the stream on mute. I walk by and see you bear's question. That's great. I lost a friend once and went through depression, then acceptance. Not anything else. The stages of grief are different on people. You understand that when we establish things like the stages of grief, or we establish like parameters for healthy sadness and depression, or healthy worry and anxiety, we establish parameters that would define when something gets into life disruptive extremes that then needs to be dealt with and properly processed. You know, like some people push down their emotions, some people have severe cases of affect phobia, they're like afraid of emotions. Right, that 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 is done through years and years of study and research. Psychology is a soft science, so yes, not every single person experiences grief in a rigid order, but generally that's how it goes. Denial. They're not dead. You don't accept it psychologically. It's earth shattering. You don't you don't engage with it or interact with it or you don't integrate with it as if it's true. Because you don't accept it right away. You think they're going to come home. You think they're going to walk through the door. You're in denial. Then when you realize that's not going to happen, you're not going to wish them back. You get really angry. It's unjust. It's unfair. And then it turns to bargaining. Well, maybe, maybe we can... No, it's over. And then it turns to depression. And then it turns to acceptance. Generally people go through that experience now sometimes you might skip a step you might not bargain you might go directly from you know anger to depression because you bring yourself out like a rag in fits of rage and there's nothing left to keep you together so the point i was making is it just to me was remarkable to look at that's exactly how people responded to this series as situation denial anger bargaining like textbook hand waving denial for years that there's nothing wrong with the series s then anger at no, you're you're a hater this isn't true right it's a it's it's, it's almost like a hybrid of denial and, and anger they kind of come together assuming you cover the cma compromise I saw that break this morning, and I did not have time to research it. There, even even um, Tom Warren from The Verge was like, "This is really unclear, and a lot of people are having a hard time understanding what's going on." I wasn't going to try to slap together a show on that. We might have to kick that to next week because I have no idea what's going on. So, and this week is is Gamescom. That's way more important than freaking something that's going to go on till October. I'm so tired of talking about that. Look, the deal's going to go through. I'm who cares what the CMA's doing at this point. I agree with their 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 thoughts on letting the cloud market emerge through market impact instead of emerging and needing to be overly regulated globally by multiple regulatory bodies. I agree with them on that. That's been spun into, well Microsoft's not very big in cloud gaming, so they don't have an advantage. Well, that's not what they said. The concessions and the adjustments that Microsoft's making and uh, using Ubisoft for 15 years or whatever, I did. I nobody seems to understand what in the frick's going on just yet. And there's also no way to know if CMA is going to be compelled or not. It doesn't sound like they're going to be. You got people saying that it was a trick. <laughs> it was like the CMA tricked Microsoft. I'm like, okay, let's let the dust settle on this. I'll properly research it. And then I'll, I'll get all my ducks in a row so we can present something that's factual instead of some slap-together response. If you want streams that are tantamount to tweets, there are plenty of people who do that. 
and their accuracy is about as strong as their honesty. I'm not defending Xbox. I'm arguing from scientific on stages of grief, but I can agree they are uh, they are parody the textbook example. Yeah. Anytime you establish something like stages of grief, no one's saying that that's a hard and rigid thing. Like, hey, hey, buddy, you skipped a step. Go back and go back and deal with anger. You went right from denial to bargaining. You need to go back and feel some anger. Like, no one's going to do that. I, that. That'd be ridiculous. I think a good therapist would probably, pro- like, peel at the onion and say, you know, did you push down any anger? Did you process any anger? Like, did, at any point in time, did you, did you feel rage? Did you feel this was unjust? No, you just drifted right. You just drifted right over that one, huh? Okay. Like I think a good therapist would maybe push on that, but not insist that you feel anger. They'd have to divest streaming rights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as I could understand, it was a divestiture of streaming rights to UB for 15 years. Yes. Once again, Microsoft setting a long tail strategy of we're willing to lose this power, control, and money. For a long, long time, because in 10 or 15 years, it won't matter. They'll own it all. So, I think that's the, that's, that's the, that's the Microsoft long con. Burn cash until no one else is standing. (laughs) Because they can. You know, it's kind of like buying a social media platform and just destroying it, you know? Because you can when you have that kind of money. <laughs> when you have that kind of money, you know? <laughs> Microsoft's just like, that's fine. Yeah, just give them the rights. We don't give a frick. Yeah. We'll just lose more money over the next 15 years. We'll let them have all the rights. That's fine. That's fine. Because <laughs> they have pockets that go all the way into the center of the earth. You know? Their pockets are deep. Doesn't bother them one bit, you know. Uh, we need your help. Uh, oh, I can't do that. Uh, you need a video editor immediately. Yeah, I do. Cool. ETR and watch times just fine. All these guys that try to convince me I need an editor or that you know, they're going to make thumbnails for me. It's like... <laughs> they like passively insult your content and want to work with you. <laughs> your content's great, but your thumbnails suck. <laughs> you need an editor. I need an editor? Really? For 15 minute one take content? You sure about that? Off topic. <laughs> off topic. Well, I wouldn't be able to watch Ahsoka tonight. Wouldn't it go live at like two in the morning or something? I'll be your editor, Mister One Take. Yeah. I've just been getting a lot of those emails and DMs lately. People that are like, Essentially saying my thumbnails are no good. Those are my favorite. It's like our thumbnails are actually great. We get good CTR. We've had people in the industry compliment us on our thumbnail design. Oh, and I need an editor. It's like, 
No, I don't. I don't do anything with cuts and 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 com- comedic timing or B roll. You know. Now I will say this: sometimes it would be nice to have a little bit of B roll, but I can do that on the fly. Like I push a button and have like a trailer running. You know, if I was like. If you're thinking about buying Baldur's Gate 3, the gameplay is definitely different than what you might expect with its classic turn-based D&D style, a tabletop RPG available on your computer. You may want to consider that this might not be the game for you. I can just cut that in like that. I don't need an editor for that. Morning streams out here hurting the gaming community's feelings. (laughs) Oh, well... Oh, man. Some of these people are like exposed nerves. Oh, Ahsoka's at nine? Man. I thought it was tomorrow. I got one more. I got one more uh, episode before we can go to that show. Are they doing the double whammy? Are they doing the two-episode premiere? Yep, two-part premiere. Okay. Some content creators get those. A lot of them are bots. Some of them are bots. Yeah, I've gotten a couple DMs about um, graphics work, and I'm like, this has got to be a bot. It 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 just doesn't read like a it doesn't read like a, a real person. If Microsoft is happy with the Series S, is all this trouble worth it in their eyes? Well, I mean, I guess how would you classify them being happy about the Series S? You don't have soccer today. I do have soccer today, which means when we're done with uh, opening night live with Keeley, I'm going to have to end immediately. I'm going to have to end immediately so that I can plan tomorrow because tomorrow we'll do a morning show and then uh, we'll do a morning show and then we'll do future game show. I don't think is anything releasing tomorrow to play. No, nothing's releasing tomorrow to play. Thursday is when we get uh, Armor Core. So, yeah. I wish there was something I could play tomorrow in between the morning show and future game show, but I don't think there is, unless I completely forgot about something. When you pick an Xbox-related topic, do you chuckle a bit, asking for a friend? Um, We actually try to not do Xbox content if it's especially if it's going to be negative I try to only do that once a week if I have to do it more than once a week I don't I try not to so I'll, I've kicked I've kicked a topic to next week sometimes um, because we just like to space it out because the sub base in general uh we don't want the sub base to feel like well because the guys on twitter are just liars right they're like well all that guy does is hate on xbox he built his whole channel hating on xbox and it's like well no i actually according to all of the growth patterns on the channel that just simply isn't true right our best our best moments and our best growth patterns actually came from when we were either covering like elden ring or live events Uh, a whole month of halo was actually really good for us um, and my most watched content usually is actually nothing to do with bashing. A lot of my positive Starfield content's been my best my best performing content. So 
I don't like to double dip on Xbox. Now, I don't mind double dipping on Xbox if it's positive. So, like, last week I did Starfield, this is a good sign. And I was like, this is all great. The review the review outlets are getting the codes, blah, blah, blah. The next day I go, Starfield goes gold, Q&A reaction. That was almost all uh, positive content. So the people that are like, well, he built his whole channel hating Xbox. Well, a, 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 a video that says, Starfield, this is a good sign, that wouldn't do well if I basically built my channel hating Xbox. Like, that would mean my sub base would see that video and be like, what the frick, why are you saying this? Does that make sense? Like, the people that have built their channels being like a Sony pony and bashing Xbox, like, they could never put up a video that says, Starfield, this is a good sign, and have it be one of their most watched videos out of my last handfuls of live streams. Does that make sense? Like... The, the Starfield, this is a good sign, performed better than the negative Xbox piece. Xbox, this keeps happening. The Forza Motorsport thing, right? So the, th- the idea that like, well, that's all he does is bash on Xbox. Well, you can't substantiate that. Like if you actually look at the live tab, but then if we're going to pick certain topics, right? If we pick certain topics, we try to space them out. I don't like to go negative like right here, Series S was three weeks ago when I argued that it was a failed strategy, right? That was that was three weeks ago. So I didn't want to talk about that since, but when we talked about Baldur's Gate, I wanted to go positive. So I went game of the year 2023 just got harder. I was like, well, I'd rather do a positive stream about Baldur's Gate rather than whale, right? Rather than whale on the Series S. Convincing reviews, right? Diablo Killer, The Danger of Hype, you know, Starfield. No console required. That was a little bit negative. Redfall was negative. And then we moved on. We're like, let's get the frick out of here. We try to space them out. But again, the problem is, is like, okay, so Xbox Series S dropping parody. This topic actually could have gone right here instead of First Descendant. But we kicked it to the next week because I was like, I want to space out that content. I don't want it to feel like we're in some kind of a rut where, well, that's all we talk about. Well, it's like, no, it's been three weeks since we did a show about the Series S. We've done shows about PlayStation. We've done shows about Lords of the Fallen. We've done shows about Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 and Game of the Year and Path of Exile and the PlayStation 5 Pro. Like, we've done all those shows in between. And so... I always know that when I do an Xbox show, there's going to be people in the stream clip sniping and misrepresenting me on Twitter. I've just accepted the fact that there are people who don't have any any moral compass at all with respect to just lying daily. Like, they don't care. Generally, I would say that mets itself out in their personal life, and they're probably quite miserable. I've known people like that. I've known people that just nothing nothing true comes out of their mouth. They're generally unhappy people because lying is a form of maladaptive protection. It protects you. You never truly expose yourself to reality. You never truly expose your real self to others because you're just a liar. So in my estimation, getting upset at those people and getting like, oh no, I'm, I'm being, I'm being rep- misrepresented. I always push against the falsehood. I'm like, that just isn't true about me. That just isn't true about my content. But I'm not going to try to go to war with someone. It's like, yeah, that's probably just some miserable person acting out of their own pain. Like, if that's what brings you satisfaction, like, the bar of, the bar of how good your day must be has got to be incredibly low. If hate watching me to look for clips to put on Twitter so you can lie about me and continue to like personally attack me, like if that's what brings you enjoyment, 
buddy, your life is in such a terrible spot. There's no reason for me to go back and fire fire back against you and and attack you and and go after you. It's like, no, you're you're already in the gutter of life. Like I don't need to do anything to you. Happy people, people that are flourishing, people that are psychologically in a good spot, they don't do that. They don't go out of their way every day to hate someone or to attack someone. They don't. That that's that's odd behavior. It's it's not it's not behavior that is that is healthy and conducive to like happiness or, you know, just in general feeling a sense of contentment and peace. It's a distur- it's a disturbed person. Sure, you know your own content coverage and demographic, but it's undeniable that there's an Xbox bashing cottage industry on YouTube. Well, and I think here's what happens. There are some people who have recently gone after me on Twitter and they're like, all you did was hate on Starfield and the devs. You deserve this. And I'm like, where did I do that? Can you point to a single stream where I bashed Starfield and Bethesda? I I have a mountain of content where I've defended Bethesda and defended Starfield. There's That's what's so funny is like, it's actually the opposite is true about me. But what happens is they drink from the faucet of hate every day. So they'll see one clip from me taking issue with 30 FPS. Or they'll see one clip from me expressing concern like, I don't think it's going to run well on the Series S because, you know, Starfield seems like a pretty demanding game. And what they do is, is that comes from the same faucet of hate. So they're filling their cup every day with hate and just guzzling it down. You know, oh, these people hating on Xbox. And I'm in that cup with all of the other people. So they basically connect me to every video they've seen bashing Starfield. They genuinely believe that all I've done is bash Starfield. They genuinely believe that. They do. The reason they believe it is that's all they consume. They consume hateful content every day. You can't find a single video or clip on my channel criticizing Starfield about anything other than the 30 FPS. I've, I've, all I've ever said about that is that that's disappointing. I'm like, I don't want to play a game like that. You're going to drive me to PC. I've never once criticized Bethesda. In fact, I defended them. I remember defending the NPCs, saying that that level of automation and dialogue requires them to look a little bit more like automatronic, like robotic. I used other games to reference. I said, if you look at other games that do this at the level that they're doing it, you can't compare Starfield to Horizon Forbidden West. I was denouncing that as a comparison. I said, I don't think it's fair. The sheer scope and size of Starfield, the number of NPCs and dialogue options, they have to lean on automation a lot more than a game like Horizon Forbidden West. Well, you're never going to see that in a clip on Twitter because that's a very nuanced and thoughtful take about why it's okay for NPCs in Starfield to look a little bit more robotic. You're never going to see that because there were constantly people saying they were they were using Horizon Forbidden West and saying, look how good the characters in this game look. Look at Starfield, right? I feel those are false equivalencies. Those are terrible comparisons. I constantly defended Starfield against that. I defended Starfield in the early days about unfair comparisons to No Man's Sky. Like, you need to be able to land on the planet and take off from the planet. And I'm like, I don't think that's important. This is not a space exploration sim game like No Man's Sky. It is a space RPG. And a part of it being a space RPG is landing on planets and leaving planets. Same as Mass Effect. 
That's another instance of me defending the game against what I felt was like unfair criticism. You will never see that on Twitter because these people have written me off because again, they drink hate every day. So they see the slightest snippet from me being critical. All that guy does is bash Starfield. All he does is hate on Starfield. He bashed the developers. There is not a shred of evidence that would support that. There's not a shred of truth to that. But when you drink hate every day, you see hate everywhere. You see hate everywhere. The slightest bit of criticism is hate. The slightest bit of concern about the game's performance. I've said more times than I can count. I have no concerns about the game as far as an RPG. As far as being a really quality RPG game with cool story and characters and all these great systems. My concern has always been performance. I've, I've said that so many times. You will, you will never see that narrative on Twitter. You won't. And I blame the people with platforms. They're liars and they're smear merchants. And from moment one, when I descended on the scene on Twitter, they did everything they could to write me off, denounce me, attack me, discredit me, because that's what they are. They're, they're, they're shaky, scared, extended adolescent children. And that's how children act. That's how people that are scared and threatened act. They lash out and attack. Do 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 I do I look threatened? Do I look scared or worried? Have I have I once felt like I need to go out and and respond to all these videos? No, I just ignore them. It, it, like it just isn't it just isn't important. It doesn't have anything to do with our coverage. Now, periodically, I will tell people, I'm like, that's not true, because I don't, I don't abide falsehood, I don't abide liars, I think they are detestable, right? I do, I think willful, dishonest people are detestable, they know what they're doing, I find them to be disgusting, because they're harming another person with their dishonesty, for clicks and for money, you'll get what's coming to you when you live your life that way. I don't have to do anything to you. It always comes back around. You want to talk about karma? Me not getting a Starfield code? That's not karma. That's just how the business works. Time to check for Premiere. I've got to move my PlayStation 5. Instead of arguing against your argument, they attack you personally. Yeah, you'll notice in all my defense in this little rant, you'll notice in all my defense... I just spoke in facts. I just pointed to all the things that I've done. I'm like, these are all the things I've done. This is all the coverage I've done. This is all the evidence. You don't see me out here naming and shaming and, you know, name calling people. It's like, yeah, I'll call you liars and smear merchants because the shoe fits. That's what you are. If you want to run your business that way, that's totally fine. But, you know, you're walking around quacking like a duck. People are going to call you a duck. Curious how this runs on PS5. The PC requirements were beefy. Yo, thank you, B Nibble, for a gifted member. Here's the thing about Immortals of Avium: there's no quality or performance options. There's no, there's no performance or quality options. It's really bizarre. Guy said, "People pay to see me." Some people to see me win, some people to see me see me lose. Guess what? They both pay. Either wants a Starfield code. Well, I mean, 
I don't have a contact, I'm probably not going to get a code for Spider-Man 2 either. Like, if people think I'm going to start getting codes, I, I don't have contacts for that. I'm not big enough. You know? I do not expect to get codes for the bigger games. I simply don't. Oh, there's no motion blur toggle? Ugh. I didn't even look for that. I didn't even look for that. We'll see. We'll see. I'm hearing that it's getting mixed reviews, so that's why I wanted to showcase it to you guys. I figured it would be a, I figured it would be a good showcase. Mortals of Avium, another anthem. I wouldn't say it's another anthem. They didn't bill it as an ongoing live service game. I'm hearing that some people are enjoying it and thinking that it's fun. I don't think it's another anthem. Yeah, they said they optimized it with UE5 to basically be 60 FPS everywhere, but not having the ability to turn off things like motion blur and stuff, I'm never I'm never a fan of that. I I don't let me turn that off. Yeah, motion blur and film grain? Come on, man. There must be It's got to be like it's got to be like all of the other things that we question. They must run reports and enough people just leave motion blur on. So they're like, we'll turn it on by default then. Do you see what I'm saying? They probably run the numbers and they're like, yeah, 72% of people, you know, 72% of people leave motion blur on. So just put it on by default. That's more than likely why it's always on by default. The last thing I'll say about people attacking and and clipping us and going after me personally. The last thing I'll say is the most rampant thing about it is the hypocrisy. Constantly hurling insults and slander and lies about me and acting like the minute I try to stand up for myself or the minute I try to say like, man, you guys are just out here being liars and acting like that's somehow a negative reflection on me just the lack of self-awareness and hypocrisy there. It's like it's like those videos where somebody's slapping, shoving, and pushing somebody, and then they finally hit back, and then they want to act like that's unjust. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm just calling a spade a spade. Some of y'all are asking for it, and I'm not going to answer back with, with, with a punch or an insult. I've not swung back on any of these guys. It's a reflection of their character that they continue to attack somebody who simply will not respond in kind. I won't do it. Like, that's a reflection of them and their character. I've not once put out a video going after anybody, naming anybody. I've not called anybody out on Twitter. All I do is block and move on, block and move on. And yet they continue. It's been going on for months. So... I just think that's just a, a reflection of their character. The, the hypocrisy to consistently go after somebody personally and in nasty ways and in dishonest ways, I just think it's a giant reflection of the person that they are. So. It's like the trolls that come in and they just ask for it over and over and over again. You finally pop back and you finally smack back and people are like, Oh my gosh, that why did you do that? You you shouldn't have done that. It's like Gemini Christmas. Like I'm not a punching bag. You know? That I'm not a punching bag. That's not that's not uh that's not how the exchange of power works here. 
why all the downvotes? I'm not sure what you mean. This video has a 90% like ratio. <clears throat> Philip said Immortals runs well on the PS5, but it takes a 4090 to brute force it on PC. So what, do we have another game poorly ported? Is that what we're dealing with? I disagree with you on a lot of things, but I'll never attack you, and I stick up for you when I see the need. You're a good dude and honest. Listen, I'm going to end the stream over there on Kick. You guys watch it on Kick. Come over to YouTube so you can watch me play Immortals of Avium. I, I wouldn't waste your time defending me on Twitter. I wouldn't. Do not argue with a donkey about the color of the sky, right? If some if some dude was out in the street screaming and shouting that the sky was green, you would know not to waste your time arguing with that man because that man is a fool. You're going to waste your time. There's that great fable where the tiger argues with the donkey that the sky is blue and not green and the and the king of the forest punishes the tiger and basically says you're you're wasting your time. You are stooping to the level of a fool. Why do that? Don't you don't need to go out there and defend me on Twitter. Yeah, we'll watch Gamescom, but we're going to play Immortals of Avium in the middle. Responding to a fool according to their folly, you become a fool yourself. Now, there is a time to respond to a fool, lest he be wise in his own eyes, right? You've got to deduce the difference between a fool that can use some instruction and a fool that's going to draw you into folly. And I believe about 90% of those people on Twitter are just drawing you into folly. It's bad faith. They don't even believe what they're saying. They're literally doing it to get you to waste 20 or 30 minutes of your day going back and forth with them. That's that's that, that, that that's like a B12 shot to them. Yeah, I got somebody today. Just don't give it to them. No reason to go out and feel like you need to go on a warpath and defend me against you know, bad faith, dishonest lies, and, you know, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your effort. (laughs) Never argue with a fool from a distance. We can't tell who's who. Uh, It's not on Twitter. Generally, YouTube videos. Again, I wouldn't even give the YouTube videos engagement. If you're going and commenting on a video and defending me, that's what that person wants. They feed off of that. They feed off that engagement. I don't watch the videos. They don't show up in my feeds. They do, I don't see them. And it's because I don't engage with them. Let me. I gotta move my PS5. Give me one second.
Okay. All right, let's do this. Okay. I think I just have to change. Let me turn this down though before I do it. I got to change my output device to HDMI. There we go. Okay. We got to come here and we got to do that. There we go. I love watching, but I feel the stream sometimes turns into internet ethics. Well, I'm trying at some level to encourage people to let some of that stuff go. Like, you don't need to bring it to my doorstep. You don't need to engage. Don't go out there and engage and debate with these people. Like, don't waste your time. You're just going to get frustrated. You're going to waste your afternoon. You're not helping me. Like, they're not going to be like, you know what? You're right. I'm going to change my ways. Like, you know, they've spent weeks and months you know, lying and lying about me and attacking me. Do you honestly think you're going to make a dent? You're going to make a dent in their conscience? Like, you know? <laughs> I'm not taking what you said to the extreme, Lime Green. I'm just saying, just be careful. I'm not taking things to the extreme. I'm just telling you to be careful. Don't waste your time on these people. You'll think you're dealing with somebody in good faith, and an hour later you're like, ah, this freaking person's just a fool. They're just mess. They're just they're just being nasty. You know? That's just called discernment. Like, you just gotta be able to discern the difference between you know, somebody that might actually change their opinion and somebody who's literally just out to, to be gross and to waste your time. Entire planetary exploration is possible after you've landed. That's pretty cool. All right, let me let me send a tweet here. And then I'm going to give you guys a link. This is going to be a new stream. This is going to be a brand new stream. We're going to play this for a little while before uh before we do Gamescom opening night live. We'll play this game for about an hour. Uh Okay. Already looks blurry. It doesn't look blurry to me at all. Check your quality settings. Okay. All right, guys, do me a favor. Do me a favor. Smash the like button on this video. Let's get to 400 likes. We didn't do the greatest job today staying on topic. I blame Cowboy. It's all his fault. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, we did not do a good job staying on topic, and I think it really, really... Uh, it kind of kept us in a weird, constant-flowing topic thing, which I think is really fun. I don't mind stream-of-consciousness streams, but I definitely think that can sometimes hurt on, like, likes and clicks and everything else. So I'm going to keep the member goal up over here in this box 
all day, and then I'll I'll uh, I'll pay this out when we get into Gamescom. You tried. I know Bristol. You were trying. You were trying, man. God love you. You kept trying to bring things back. You you kept trying to bring things back. <laughs> Thanks so much for checking out this video of Immortals of Avium gameplay. We're diving in right now into Immortals of Avium gameplay. I will be playing on a PS5. I'm going to show you some settings just to clarify some things because they did talk about this game having 60 fps they've optimized it in ue5 to run at 60 fps but when you go to display options there is no quality mode there is no performance mode there is no motion blur toggle now i'm going to end the previous stream where we talked about the series s should it drop parity or not i'm going to bring everybody over with the 